show may contain naughty language and explicit content. You have been warned. Welcome to Facehammer, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Bringing you product reviews, news from the UK tournament scene, as well as some pro hobby tips. So stay tuned and get ready for some hammer to your face. Welcome to Facehammer episode 89. It's me, Russ the Face. I'm joined by the usual suspects. How's it going, man? You are. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Thanks for coming Hello. on. Um, so <laughs> it's taken us a while to get going, but we're here now. So um, <laughs> before we get into the main show topics, uh, which are going to be the uh, Luminef non-techless list, the auxiliary cool. objectives, and also we're going to look at Terry's uh, Slash Army, which if you watch on YouTube, you can see in the background uh, in his video uh, with some pictures and talk about how he went about painting it. Uh, but before we get into the, the main topic, uh, we just thought we'd have a little bit of a catch-up on some of the stuff that's been going on um, recently. Yeah. Warhammer Yeah, news. in a way, because yeah. um, we've just had the um, GHB 2020 Luminef FAQ and Arata drop, haven't we? Yeah. That's, um, I think, was it yesterday that it dropped? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. I didn't. I did see a little bit of noise on Twitter, but I tend to not look at noise on Twitter. <laughs> just... <laughs> It's, it's it's a I know that the schedule is to have one come out shortly after a book, but it's it's a bit of a weird time for anything to happen. It's still got to happen, but it's not like there's mass opportunities for people to test this in like like cross borders, international environments, yeah. or anything like that. So this is it's kind of a uh, an unprecedented. Particularly with the Luminef, because obviously a lot of the models aren't out yet. But um, to be honest, a lot of the yeah. Yeah. FAQs and erratas, like the the play testers, because of the lead time of the release of a book and when we do it, and then when the book comes out, we there's games that people have played in the playtest team between the shut off and when we're allowed to feedback and when the FAQ is published. So it is still based yeah. on some feedback. It's not just a oh we've released it two weeks and there hasn't been a chance. But obviously it's a bit different because yeah. normally we can see what the wider world's doing. But I think some people have been playing with proxies and putting stuff on. Yeah. you know tts and well, yeah, TTS exactly. is a so thing, i think right? we've yeah. there's been a few things that have happened that we've been able to take into account but um so i think one of them there isn't really anything jaw-droppingly amazing in there i don't think Les. i mean if the luminef player did you spot anything that really took out to you i saw uh, some weird stuff about that yeah. afer prism thing and a unit casting it but it's uh i think a lot of it was just like just clarifying the intent wasn't it a lot of the time um obviously the the oh, i can't remember the name of it the like this said, is the, the eighth of prison yeah the hish thing yeah, yeah i don't know I, what it's called yeah 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 yeah, I, yeah i've literally lost like it's gone completely out of my head um yeah i mean it's just like clarifying stuff um and making sure that people are playing like rules as intended i did see some stuff thrown up that wasn't covered um but i think that's self-explanatory like whether or not the unit counts as a wizard with regards to re-rolling their armor saves with cogs um but right i see as a wizard because no, one model isn't it? the wizard yeah, yeah champion in so, it yeah. Uh, yeah so it's not like the unit <laughs> re-rolls arm save because it's not a, the unit isn't a wizard the, the the champion is a wizard when there's five or more models in the unit um i mean that's my interpretation on it but like that's not been addressed in the faq but that's how i'd be playing it like i wouldn't be using the entire unit to you know the, there's been some confusion about the shining company as well hasn't there so yeah with, some, with some people sort of like 
Because you've got to set up touching the base of two different models, haven't you? And then that means you're in Shining Company, but then you can't run or charge. So if you set your models up in the Shining Company, you couldn't then run out of the Shining Company formation. You could move out of it, and then next turn you could Mm -hmm. run. And you could move out of it and then charge, but you couldn't run out or charge out of the formation, essentially, is how it works. Um, yeah, you set you set up the unit. It stays in Shining Company, and then it stays in the company until you choose to even move it out of the Shining Company, which is the base to base contact. Or if there's been a wounds allocated to it, so you can then remove the models, which then you, you choose then to sort of like break the Shining Company rule because of like wound allocation. You can sort of like drop the models out of the unit, and then that way it would maybe not be in Shining Company then. But otherwise, yeah, it's a case of you, you can't be in the Shining Company and then charge or or run so yeah and the um i know there was a few people that were talking about the ghb um what's legal like for match play a uh, pitch battle um yeah. and i think it essentially like nothing like hostess falesque and things like that which which are a sort of a white white dwarf articles and i think those yeah. are no longer legal um for so- pitch battle unless your opponent agrees according to the faq errata so what, there's been quite a bit of confusion, Russ, as far as you understand it. What is the, the hard and fast rules of that people can apply to know whether it's a yes or a no, basically? Essentially, um, if it's in a publication, it's okay. So like Forbidden Power's got Legion of Grief, so that's still in the handbook. So it's still got a, a table around the spells. So because Legion of Grief's in the handbook, uh, so in Forbidden Power, which has then got a table in the handbook, that's still okay. Whereas things like um, the Hostess Shalesk, I'm usually using that as the only one I can think of, but mm-hmm. like a White Dwarf Allegiance or Formation or Box Game Formation that doesn't have points in the General's Handbook, those are actually not um, match play legal. It says yeah. that your the FAQ wording is something like uh, you need permission from your opponent or a house rule. So effectively a TO yeah. could say they are okay. Yep. But I would imagine that standards, they wouldn't be. Um, yeah, if me you're too. Playing it kind of makes sense, right? Of a book. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you can't get hold of it, it's a bit like when they did the start collectors, they started having formations in those, didn't they? And then they weren't, yeah. you couldn't get them unless you had the box set. Um, and the store model, wasn't it? The Mortality Glass, uh, yeah. Mortality Glass um, Nighthawk character that was really, really good. Like, uh, because it's not widely available for everyone to go and buy it. Then, it, then as soon as they make it non-general's handbook legal, they did because like not everyone has access to a yeah. birthday model from the, the GW store to be able to use it, which makes you know complete sense. Yeah, so that's it really, and we're not going to go into too much detail on that. Um, I think uh, I just want to say that I should give a shout out to uh, Gammy on Twitter who said he's been playing Legion of Night, the list that we talked about in the last show, and oh, really? he's. Yeah, he's he's changed it up slightly. He's put cogs in it and he's dropped some of the skellies. Um, That's a good idea. Of, so he said he said it's quite interesting. There's a lot of people saying they think this is quite interesting to play with, and he said it's it's got a quite a nice balance to it. So uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be an event where someone can take it to and see how we get on at some point in the future. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Maybe when you take it to an event in the future, yeah, because you're gonna no, you're gonna cave at some I'm point. You're gonna cave. Oh, yeah. I can see it. You get like this little glint in your eye every time you talk about it. And I can see like, yeah. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's like when there's that last donut left in the Krispy Kreme box, and you're like, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. But you know that that donut's getting it. 
You, you know, I mean, that Russ, is, that Russ is going to be at like two, two o'clock in the morning. He's going to sneak up <laughs> and he's just going to start building skeletons. 2 a.m. Yeah. I thought you were going to say I was going to like break into a Krispy Kreme at 2 in the morning. Like, I mean, to... that could have been well, an actual like, yeah. Why do they start locking the bins? No. <laughs> like, a, like a raccoon. Yeah. Damn you, Krispy Kreme. No. Russ and a raccoon uh, sleep stealing donuts from Krispy Kreme in Swindon. Oh, I'm never going to forget that. That's so good. I'm getting you a onesie. With yeah, a tail. Like, like a raccoon yeah. onesie is pivotal to that plan to make you look unsuspicious, the, like you know what you're doing. Raccoon onesie. Raccoon veal. Yeah, write it down. I don't, I'm on a diet. Um, if, we get enough, donuts. if we get enough retweets for this podcast when it goes live, <laughs> then we will make like, Russ Like wear, below uh, if you want to see Russ in a raccoon onesie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give us a comment. <laughs> Let us know your favorite animal that Russ should have a onesie of. The internet is a dark place, and there are people out there that do this sort of thing for some other reason other than fun. Um, I don't really want those to attract that, that following of those sort of people. <laughs> Everyone's definition of fun on... is different, Russ, especially yeah. after lockdown. <laughs> yeah. For those watching, you can see the smirk on Terry's face because he's going to the dark place in his mind. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just thinking about unveiling his tiger outfit from underneath his bed. It's a Dalmatian suit, isn't tiger it? Punk. Yeah, Terry's sex punk. <laughs> you know where my tiger onesie is, to be fair. I'll have to have a little look round. I rest my case. <laughs> like the... Comment Terry... below if you want Terry to be dressed as Terry a tiger the in the next tiger. recording. This has gone off the rails quickly, the tiger. isn't it? Um, it's too hot for a tiger onesie in here at the moment. And we also off. should uh, talk about the, we talked about that Lumineff list from uh, Peter, and he said that one of the things we didn't mention was that speed of hish is quite important to get extra range on the bows. Um, oh, okay. So. Yeah. It's the, the list that he sent didn't have the, um, well, the list that I was sent didn't actually have all of the spell allocations. On no, the so I did tell him that, yeah, because yeah. we didn't have the um, spells. Uh, yeah. We just had to fill those in. Um, but um, yeah, I suppose it like it makes the, that threat range even more scary than with that one unit when you want to kill a hero, you know, twelve inch move shooters. Um, Byron, um, you your Iron Jaws list. So, uh, Hawkeye nine five one on YouTube said that the Gorgon move isn't pre-game; it's beginning yeah, of hero phase. Yes, yeah, so. it's uh, beginning of the first hero phase. Yeah, yeah. So you get you get to do it, it's basically a one and done one and. Uh, yeah, he's com- he's completely right. Generally speaking, with that list, I was going for trying my best to be the first person to go anyway. So, I yeah, I like spaff my load first turn, but it's um it's definitely got a lot of potential, particularly if you go absolutely like one hundred percent in on low drops, super aggressive. You take that first turn and you just try and crash into people like a hairy wave. And uh, we spoke about um uh, I spoke about the KO list, and I I said about difficult to get one drop list together actually i wrote a one drop ko list um which i think is quite cool uh it's based around the um irons command whatever it's called iron sky command formation but essentially because you can have up to three units of engine riggers it's three units of six engine riggers and ironclad and some characters and then i've got the endless spell everblaze comet you could set that change out for a demon rift or a bellwin vortex um Bellwind Vortex, the um, Warp Lightning Vortex from Skaven. Yeah, yeah. 
um, and then you can use the Barrack Zilfin move to get within range to drop that um, because you can move in the hero phase with Barrack Zilfin. So you could have the Aether Chemist on the boat, fly high, drop the boat in your hero phase, but then you could unleash the the Warp Lightning Vortex very close to them because it's an 18-inch range. Uh, is it holy within 13 now? I think it was 26 and it lowered the holy within 13, the first one. And then... Mm-hmm. But you can be nine away from them, and then drop the vortex on them, oh, and then in the movement phase, you could move away and then shoot them. And then you've got the the when you do that move in the hero phase, you could use the hitcher's rule to pull a combat unit of engine riggers and the character forward. And then you could have two units with long range guns, so like double up the dual cannons and um, blasters. So you've got four 24 inch range guns with a 12 inch move. So it's a 36 inch threat with the engine rigger units and then you've got yeah. 20 Arcanauts in the list as well which sit in the ironclad so they can like plop out and um and sh- move and shoot all their pistols as well because you can get those in range so i think for an alpha strike it'd be quite nasty um yeah i'm not sure whether the demon fire rift would be better or the um the the comet or the um um the vortex but yeah i think the vortex potentially does more damage um especially if you can pin something the comet's a really good one for giving your opponent a horrible situation it's just a proper like damned if you do damned if you don't uh position to put them in and particularly backed up by the amazing varied ranged capabilities of the shooting and with three units there you've got like you can have a go at killing something exactly miss it by one wound go on to the next unit go on to the next unit they're really really good for that and it plays to the strengths of ko um, which are fairly limited, so you may as well. I think I think it sounds really cool, and one drop is rare these days, especially in order. So I wasn't around last week. What's what's allowing you to cast the warp light vortex, warp lightning vortex? <laughs> so there's a artifact spell in the bottle in the um, Cadron book called um, spell in a bottle. That you yeah, can I, give I, to a chemist. Does it allow you to get round the requirement for casting though because warp lightning vortex is only a skaven tide wizard can cast yes. it so it gets is around it, that yeah it gets around that restriction okay. so you can put any any spell um in your army uh, ah, and okay. cast it automatically it can't be unbound yeah. right okay. it senses, like it's the most obvious ones are like like fairly expensive like 80 100 point things dump them damage people and then who, like if they win priority, you're still going to send it back in their face, which is why I, the Stormcast yeah. one's scary. I still think the Warp Lightning Vortex is the best choice because you can get in range yeah. with the hero move with Barak Zilfin yeah. to drop it where you need it to be. And it, it is devastating um, for what it does. It's disruptive. It disru- it? Yeah, that's, that's, it's so disruptive to their army. It's a really um, high cast as well, which means it's an absolute pain to get rid of. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think uh, Kieran Harper used to always take the comet in non-Zilfin lists, and I used to think it was really, really good. Um, uh, it depends. I, I do think that when you've got that move to be able to get in range to cast the vortex, it's definitely it definitely synergizes better with Zilfin. If you because like the thirty-six inch range on the comet, you kind of don't need to be. It, it kind of like more utility. You get that regardless. You take yeah. the vortex, yeah. So I, I think that would be quite good. It also, like Byron said, Comet makes people deploy weird because most people want the heroes together to like you know to bunk up or support each other. And you can't beat that Comet position. You know, or you do get lucky and you kill the entire heroes if you oh, double no. them. The only Backed issue I've got 
with the comet is that you normally want to do it when you go second, and you want to do it so you get a double double bubble on it, and yeah, you want to yeah. dispel it, then cast it, but you can't cast it again. So it's yeah. and it's more expensive. It's a hundred points, not eighty. Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't make a huge difference because you're going to come in. The list comes in about fifty points cheaper than it than it is. Um, and that's with an admiral in it as well. But you could upgrade one of the other heroes to a um, a second uh, engine master bubble guy. Um, but it, it's it's okay. I mean, I think it's. Uh, I wouldn't want to build. I actually have built eighteen engine riggers anyway. But I wouldn't want to build like the army from scratch because it would it would be a nightmare. But it would be quite. <laughs> I think it would be quite an interesting list to play with. Yeah, look um, cool as well. Like. The nice yeah. thing about having those, all of the spells that we've mentioned look sweet. I know that's not why we've mentioned them, but the Comet looks amazing. The Vortex looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And having a load of little cool guys, this massive ship, um, and then a blob of 20 dudes. It's a it's a pretty cute-looking elite force, isn't it? Yeah, the, the only issue that you'll have is you won't get any A for gold for the engine riggers because they're not te- units of 10. Um, they are battle line, though, so you know a 12-inch moving flying battle line unit that's pretty pokey. But there are only 12 wounds in the unit, so it's quite light on wounds. Um, so you, you are reliant on doing the damage at range. Uh, but I think yeah. the mistake a lot of people make with these things is they launch them forward, and actually they've got a 24-inch yeah. range, and you should just back away and shoot and use your, use your longevity of the game. Again, you've only got one ironclad, but you can... Um, the twenty arcanauts well. on there. Yeah, the healing in the army is amazing. So you it's can so even, cool, right? Just like, lob it in the middle with a vortex and just stand back and Yeah, if you wanted to. I mean it's difficult for the um, engine riggers to keep up with the ironclad because you're gonna take seven. So you take one unit a six and a hero. Um but they they've got a twelve inch move so you can use up a second wave and you normally gotta go for some projectors anyway. But um it's okay. But I I might try that out at some point. Um so uh, I just wanted to just mention that list because I, I kind of we talked about it. I said oh, it's difficult to get one, but there is a formation that kind of fits it pretty much bang on. Yeah, you can paint that. You can paint that one after the skeletons. Then, so we'll hear about it in a couple of months. Yeah. No, I'll be painting Ko. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna get the army finished that I've got, and I'm actually gonna make sure I've got that variant list, the other variant list, and there's a frigate list I want to do as well. So I'm going to basically end up with quite a large force, but I've already got most of it. I just have to get a few extra bits. Um, yeah, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, so there's 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 quite a few lists I've been toying around with. Um, but yeah, we just want to say before we get into the main topics um, that obviously we've been putting stuff on YouTube. So if you're listening to this uh, and you want to support us, just go in on there, subscribing, giving us a couple of likes, a comment, or just watching some of the videos. A lot of it's the same content you're hearing here. Uh, but obviously, that like we'll be able to put the list up on the screen, and when we talk about Terry Sinesh, there'll be pictures of the models. So listening to it audio-wise is probably not going to be as good as watching it as a video. So um, you know, check us out on there, help support us. We will be doing some YouTube-specific content, which will be um, more around the sort of traditional YouTube video format. But we that'll come in later date. We're just um, yeah. just getting our us trying to get efficiency out of our our recordings to make sure we can put out yeah. regular content. Um, thank you for everyone who has commented and watched stuff and, and give us some feedback and thanks to people engaging yeah. on Twitter yeah people joining in on the live premieres as well it's really we've got an awesome hobby for discussing and the fact that people can jump in that's where a lot of our KO list discussion happened um, there's just like three or four people bouncing around ideas and by the end of a 15-20 minute video you've like you've hashed something out together which is pretty cool 
uh, speaking of um, discussion and, and community engagement, so what we're going to do is we've got a Discord server that we, we're using to record, as you can probably tell from the header if you're watching this on YouTube. But um, <clears throat> when we're doing FaceTime Worldwide, uh, we're going to have Discord as the main hangout place for people to go um, to enjoy that weekend. Um, we'll be giving you some more um, information about that, and the server's not set up completely yet, so when it is, we'll share the link. Uh, but for those of you wondering what FaceTime Worldwide is, or maybe you've not heard of it, or you're not sure what we're doing, so um, it'll be on Discord. Um, it's going to be running the FaceTime GT painting events. So there'll be a best army. There'll be the normal painting competition for um, the single miniature uh, monster or behemoth uh, unit, and there's an open category as well. Um, and those are the four normal categories we do, and we'll do a best in show. And what we want is to open this up to anyone <coughs> watching this or listening to this across the globe who wants to enter. Um, the We just asked that it's not a model that's won uh, something at another painting competition before, uh, basically. So something something new that's you know not not something that you've already won uh, something with. Um, we also want to um, do a bit of a paint along. So um, there's this magazine. You're going to hear plastic. Sorry about this. Um, getting started with Age of Sigma magazine, which you can buy from Element uh, for about four pound twenty-five. I think. Yeah, it is. it's a bargain. We wanted um, to pick something where yeah. people didn't think it was a waste of money, and it's a gorgeous model. He goes together super well. It's pretty simple. You can demonstrate a variety of techniques on it easily, and it's a dream, really. And it's like five pounds. Yeah, so it comes with a night encounter, and what we're going to do is we're going to do a paint along. So what we want people to do is to get their model, build it Friday night, hang out, a few drinks, whatever, a chat, and then we will start painting on Saturday, and Saturday will be the day, and we'll paint throughout, however long you want to paint, if you want to paint 10, 12 hours, whatever, if you want to do it too. But Saturday will be to paint that model. We're all going to be painting one, and we'll talk about what we're doing. You can ask us questions, give you feedback, and at the end of the day, we'll give out surprises for the ones we think are cool, you know, or the ones we particularly like. So the idea is to start in the morning, Saturday, paint and get it done, and then on the Sunday, we'll judge the ones that we think are the coolest, and we'll give you a shout-out and stuff, and there will be surprises and things like that. We'll give some more details on um, FaceTime Worldwide, but that's essentially what we're going to be doing um and we want to do some guest slots as well yeah so, we're gonna have a little think about that so we're probably going to have some people on to do almost like um the, the, well what we're doing here basically uh, that you can watch live uh, as we're doing it so um we, we will we'll precursor this that you know it will be unfiltered and edited so uh, there will be some, will be you know and we're going to try and do it uh all hours so until early hours overnight and stuff so which i try to do it as a mega 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 live stream so i think uh terry's getting ready for his night shift um <laughs> so <laughs> but i'll probably be on quite late because i'm a bit of a night owl anyway so it's my kind of um how i work does that leave less I than a five in the morning shift yeah because yeah, i'll be up at five in the morning so i'm a i'm an early starter so that means i'm in bed by like 10 o'clock yeah, so you can you can do the the Les Martin gym gym along in the morning if you want to get up for for gym at five in the morning like a <laughs> mentalist. Um, so, <laughs> I'm just no. gonna get up at a normal time. Get get fit with Les, yeah. or or just like sleep. 
um it's up to you but um that sounds good if people do um <laughs> just to to drop it in there if people want to pick up the knight and cantor early and convert it and do like a turn him into a vampire swap a head round anything like that like we absolutely encourage that and we may do that ourselves it's a pretty solid model as it is but if you want to put it on a funky base or put it on a diorama or like take the vampire lord on zombie dragon head which does fit perfectly by the way um and drop it i'm on gonna kill warrior minor. Awesome. yeah do it yeah, yeah i'm gonna kill warrior minor that's all mine's gonna look like i think that'd be quite cool um you know come at me bro gonna have a sword maybe <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> so it would be cool to yeah you feel free to convert and, and build it before the day um we'd, we'd ask you to paint it along with us so we can see the progress because yeah. a lot of it will be you know that's going to be the fun really to see what people ideas are see pictures share those get comments ask for advice on your color scheme yeah. or what paints you know you've got we've got our very own resident golden demon winning painter here so you can ask terry about how to go about making your colors look bright and vibrant as that seems to be a speciality so uh we can get some feedback and, and make sure that you know we can give yourself some advice to to make your stuff look cool so we'd like you to be part of that journey rather than just paint it beforehand and go here's one i did earlier because we're not blue peter we're not into that yeah then there might be so some pin badges like, let, um, let byron know as well if you're gonna like series d it because byron's obviously like pioneering this yeah. stippled dry brush technique yeah if, that he if does people want to join in camera. with their fluffy brushes I can, uh, I'll like, I'm kind of obliged to paint mine like that, aren't I? Maybe I won't for a change, but yeah. um, if people want to know how I'd go about it or like want to know what color schemes they're going to use or whatever, then I can do the, I can do the live thing where I really, really complexly say, if it's this, then do that for your other color. You yeah. could, you could do two. You could do one as a series D in a time challenge and do a normal one. Oh, so I set myself something horrid like an hour and just not talk and go like this. Well, maybe we could do a, we could do a speed painting. Series D brush along. Can I just speed paint well? normally? Because like, because I just paint super no. fast anyway. <laughs> no, 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 contrast. <laughs> you need a handicap, Les. You need a handicap. It's like golf. You've got to like, you've got to start behind. So we've got to force you to build like a yeah. seventy-year base or something. <laughs> or just like I start three hours after everyone else does. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just going to dry brush mine grey. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's okay. have to start his on an exercise bike at his 5am shift like this <laughs> yeah he has to every time he does a layer he has to run to the gym and back <laughs> <laughs> it'll take him 8 like hours to do 2 layers <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay um, well I think that, that break this is sort of the intro so we'll, we'll have a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about auxiliary objectives So we're back from the break, and um, we're just going to talk about our auxiliary match play objectives. So these are kind of like the hidden agendas um, that are in the yeah. handbook on page 108, 109. But I think it's important to understand there are some changes. If, if people are going to a tournament using the pitch battle tournament pack on page 112, there are some important changes. Um, yeah, absolutely. They're red. Yeah, so I, I read originally that it was two, but if you go to the actual pitch battle pack, it says you pick three. So that that's something to um something to definitely consider because I didn't even notice that's, that to begin with. It's um, a huge difference. If you're playing one game and you can pick two of eighteen, that's lol. And if you're going to a five game mm-hmm. tournament, you have to use fifteen out of eighteen. Yeah, some of them are pretty tasty as well, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing yeah, is as well, do you, do, 
do we think that people are going to be using the pitch battle tournament pack going forward? Do you think this is going to be the standard, like the 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 independent tournament scene standard as well as the GW events, or do you think it, it's not it'll going probably to be a baseline? A... Won't it? They'll and use it, yeah, initially people who will just use it or modify it to their own pack, or they'll just have their own pack and it'll be similar enough anyway. Because this is pretty standard, isn't it? It's not. I think um, it's like we're with context. So if you're going to an event, one of the important things to do is to understand the how you win and, and how things are weighted. So it, it, normally, like if we were going to a tournament and we could look at that rules pack, you might change the army you're taking, the list you're taking, your approach to the game, something's more yeah. important than others, so you change the focus slightly. Obviously, because of we've got a generic template here, I imagine that GW events would use this. So yeah, the context like we're going to talk about is this context. Yeah. Yeah, it's um because obviously, like you said, Russ, it's like when you go to a tournament and you're 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 sort of like you're writing your list for the events. You need to understand how you're going to maximize your ability to to win the mission at hand. Not only are you going to be able to compete in all the scenarios, be able to beat your opponent, but now you need to factor in how you're going to score these auxiliaries because they're the points allocated to them in this pack, this tournament pack is is weighted quite high isn't it you know you need to be able to you know you wouldn't want to be giving up these points each game by not factoring in how you'd score the auxiliary objectives how do they factor in then what is the math of how they contribute to a, your final score well, you get five for one completed and then 10 for two and 15 for all three and obviously you get nothing if you didn't do any but it's also worth noting that in the auxiliary objective page it says if you have more than your opponent, a draw counts as a minor victory. But in the that's tournament pack deal. bit, it specifically says that's not the case. So that it doesn't change a draw to a minor. You just receive bonus points instead. So a major victory is worth 60. That's another 25% points on top of that if you get all three. Yeah. So 15 is quite a bit, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, worth, yeah if you... it's worth almost a minor loss. So... If you lost like, in a five-game event, if you lost one game, but you got all your missions in all three, all the four games you got the major in, that's that's mm. essentially like getting an extra major yeah. with no with no secondaries. So they will add up over the event. I mean, you're also much more likely to draw these days. Uh, n- not in many of them, but it's barely been a thing in the past. I think you've got one or two scenarios now where a draw is not unlikely. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think um, uh, I think it, it's like most like when we run our events, the the agendas became gave you tournament points, but they weren't enough. Yeah. They were a small proportion. Normally, twenty five percent is where I normally aim most of the packs at. I think you know you you you're sixteen for the major, and then there was four for the which is twenty five percent. So it's the same ratio actually. Um, so I think it's it's very standard to what we were doing. I think the difference is now you've got three rather than two, and actually I think. A yeah. lot of these missions are a lot harder than the hidden agendas because some of the agendas were like auto lol turn one. I've got yeah. it. You know? Yeah, no, but it's not that case anymore. I mean, shall I? Uh, shall I start running down the list? Yeah. So we're going to yeah. go through all eighteen, and we'll just give you a little bit of what we think of it, and and some examples of lists or scenarios that might be good in, and then you know yeah. just give you guys a bit of guidance on it. Absolutely. So I mean, I think it's worth noting half of these I'd say are either hard or quite unlikely uh, to happen. Um, like literally like 9 out of 18 uh, so the first one is the aggressor you complete this auxiliary objective if you control all of the objectives wholly within your opponent's territory this does not include objectives located on the borderline of a territory 
So um, it doesn't say a time there. I I assume that means at any point. Just a, if you if you control them, then you're good. Yeah. So yeah. it'd be when you factor in the control. So obviously, like some missions, you've got to be a little bit careful. Like shifting objectives doesn't have any objectives in their territory because the territory yeah. is just a little small box. So you've got yeah. to make sure you look at the map of the mission when you do it. You know, for example, if you and if you're in an objective when you're burning them, like you know. Um, scorched earth and things like that it it that I, I suppose you could take control then you burn it i guess so yeah you, you could you could yeah. score that like total conquest is only one objective in their territory same with knife to the heart so some of those missions where there's only a single objective to take in their territory be, isn't on the they're border. gonna be clustered yeah they're gonna be clustered around it though the ones where it's more obvious what you have to do it's more of if, if that ties into the major way to win the game then people are going to be bunkering aren't they yeah but i think I think if you if you're going to win the if you think you're looking at their army and thinking oh, I'm going to steamroller this yeah I'm going to I've got this game then I think yeah. you can you you just go well I'm I'm going to play for the fact I'm going to be on their home objective of battle for the pass and, yeah. and just play for it because worth more VPs yeah. you know it you know it's a strategy you know that's your objective so you, you know it may not come off and you might lose but you know. It's it's the, sure. those are the games that you take when you you take that in the mission that you're going to smash your opponent like, like you said and yeah. also like just factoring in that like it's that little bit how many how many people will play this mission and then realize that they haven't actually got the objective in your opponent's territory like you said Russ there's only a couple that like you, I can think of and they go right I'll, I'll use this one now and then go oh, there's no objectives in the territory oh it's on a line yeah it's easily done yeah. and I mean as you get to the, the 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 later games in a tournament this stuff gets way more difficult to manage. Um, yeah. The next one is assassinate. When you reveal this auxiliary objective, your opponent must pick one unit in their starting army that is a hero. You complete this auxiliary objective if that hero is slain before the end of the battle. Terry would enjoy this one. In, well, he's got indestructible heroes as well. Yeah, <laughs> you 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 pick your tanky hero and just sit them safe. But it it doesn't say you can't pick something that's not on the board. So you, it just says in their starting army. So you could pick like a hidden assassin and, and then just you reveal just have to pop it, it later. On. Pop it, pop turn it on five. turn five or whenever the you know before the end of the game and go. Well, you didn't kill it. Quite yeah. a lot Soul of um, books will. <laughs> you have to be on by turn three or your counter is destroyed, aren't you? So yeah, you can. But, I mean, here's a good way of protecting. It's a bit like yeah. Legion of Night with um, Manfred. You could just keep him off the table and be like, well, you can't kill him because he's not on the table. Yeah. yeah. So you just sort of hide what? out for three turns and then pop up in like a nice little safe spot and then go and hide for the last two. But it's often it's... by turn three, people are glued together or in a specific place with the other objectives. Yeah. Anyway, if you pop yeah. up literally on a table edge, which is what a lot of these people do, you could be like four feet away from the action. It's a good one to deny your opponent. Anyway, if you've got something in your list that can do that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's 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 knowing if you write a list with well, no sort of ancillary heroes, you don't need to function in your army that you can keep safe. It's quite a good it's quite a good thing to have in your back pocket. Um, yeah, or you yeah. just pick a tank. Yeah, like if I was against, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if I was against something that wasn't a shooting army, a, you know, the support great and clean one with the wither save that sits behind everything doesn't really ever die. So that that was the one I always picked when you have to keep the you know the artifacts alive. Was ancient heirlooms yeah. before, yeah. wasn't it? Mm. I don't think I ever gave that um, mission up once ever with that Nurgle list because it's hard to get to them because they're surrounded. So that that's quite a good one assassinate especially because you pick it you know so yeah. 
your opponent well, sorry, your opponent picks it so you know your your army you decide what they have to kill which i quite like yeah yeah so if you're writing about... a list you just plan to have a unit that, that if your opponent uses that against you they say oh yep. my auxiliary is this one you know straight away i'm going to pick this model because it's a pain for you yeah 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 and quite a lot of armies have got a utility piece that doesn't have to be in the action to be useful. Like Les was talking about a Vexler last week. Um, there's some yeah. formations where, like the Ard Boys formation, where you just have to take a War Chancellor, and if he's on the board, you have a chance of getting a unit back. He could be in the back right hand table corner, and you're doing a pretty good job there. Um, the thing that I like about this is the one character armies, or like one or two character armies that have they've maxed out on other stuff. It makes you really consider that because if you're turning up and you've got Nagash and a necromancer like obviously a necromancer is fairly good at bouncing wounds and stuff but it does make you consider where you should be putting another one in so it forces yeah. you to write a slightly more rounded list or gamble um, basically i think those games when you do that super big bad hero if they die you generally lose anyway so you might as well just pick yeah, them yeah. so yeah yeah, yeah like, <laughs> good point. if you spent half your army on the gash you might as well make him everything right yeah, yeah. It's like let's put more eggs in that basket and then put the basket on yeah, another basket of eggs. Why not? Exactly. Why not? He's eight hundred and something points, isn't he? Eight, eight, uh, the eight, next one, ridiculous. The next one is the bait. When you reveal this auxiliary objective, you must pick one friendly unit in your starting army. You complete this auxiliary objective if that unit is destroyed by an enemy unit before the end of the third battle round. So that's one of the more easy ones because you suicide bomb something yeah. and you can still get a lot of armies can still get utility out of that. You're not just throwing it away. Um, I see that as one of, one of the more friendly ones. Yeah, you put it on your chaff screen that's going to get killed anyway. And, and just if, if they want to get through to your stuff, they've got to go through the, the crap little unit at the front, haven't they? So it's going to die. It's yeah, quite nice to put your opponent in a in a sticky place like here you go here's something that's in the way you could run around you like you could run around it for two turns or you could get through it in one but then you're not getting that one point so i quite like that one um one thing i would say on that um it doesn't say it's a say by an enemy unit doesn't it so mm -hmm. you if, if you've got ways to destroy the unit that aren't from one of your units so like an endless spell for example um uh, that you could finish a unit off with an endless spell and then they wouldn't be killed by one of your units um so there are there might be a sneaky way to get rid of the screen without actually um yeah because if it battle it. shocks that's not technically killed by an enemy unit is it it's killed by no. battle shock no exactly so they Very yeah you, you, you could you could actually end up losing out on that one if you've got a little screen of 10 men and they just come in and carefully pick off six of them and the other four died a battle shock then uh, they fail that don't they so the yeah. one way you could, you could help. Six charge yeah well the one with good ways you could do it is just to charge them into the enemy because they have to fight you so exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so the next one uh cornered uh you complete this auxiliary objective if you have two or more friendly units within three of the same enemy hero at the end of any turn that is a lot of requirements what like what if you kill that unit by accident you can't choose to not fight now if you've got two people next to one thing um you don't have to specify which hero it is. It could be any of your opponent's heroes, which is helpful. But if you pick a weak one, there's a good chance you kill it. And if you pick a strong one, there's a good chance it kills you. Yeah, you, you think you have to... You could try and get a little bit of redundancy by putting three units into something because then like, they have to kill two of the units to not to score that. But it's very difficult because it's at the end of the turn. It, that's one I probably would very rarely pick. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also it's within three. So if you're worried about killing it and you've got short reach weapons, just don't pile in. Yeah. So activate, don't move, so you can't reach them. Otherwise, they could activate, move closer to you, and then you'll end up hitting them. Yeah. So you, again, that's quite a little tricky one. You could, you could use that to control the combats a little bit as well. Yeah. So you could I like would... charge two chaffy units into a, a small hero knowing that they're probably not going to do the 10 wounds to kill it, but you and you only put one model in range to fight that hero. Yeah. And then yeah. on each unit, so you need, you're not going to kill it because you've probably only got like four attacks anyway. And then yeah. he's going to swing back, probably not kill either of the units, so then you're going to score it, but it's going to be quite hard to pull that off. I mean, the most important thing here is we're discussing a load of stuff which involves quite a, quite a bit of planning uh, on the table. I think if you're doing this type of thing, you're probably not paying good attention to... Getting the getting the major, um, possibly. Mm. It's uh, if my opponent picks that type of one, I'm I'm going to be rubbing my hands. I think. Um, next we have defender. You complete this auxiliary objective if there are no enemy units within your territory at the end of the battle. Fairly fairly standard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like again, if you're winning, you probably you're more likely to get that. If you're losing, um, as ever, stuff that can drop on like canary or something like that is um, is a really good way to be able to de- deny your opponent. Um, or summoning, or anything like that. Domination. Uh, so I think this one's pretty hard to pull off. Uh, if three or more enemy units are destroyed in the same turn, like that is quite a big ask. If you get a bold one, I think it's fairly then, easy. Yeah, yeah. it, it depends what sort of armor you have. Because when I was playing Corn, you you probably <laughs> kill five units in a turn quite happily. Because Scarbrand kills yeah. two or three on his own. When you're piling in multiple times with stuff that can kill forty models in a you know in it in one round of combat. Those ones aren't particularly hard. That for my like Nurgle army, on the other hand, you'd have to like work that so that you deplete the units and heroes really low. Be careful not to kill them and then do them all in one turn. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you don't really have the burst damage to just go in and take off three units in a go. So you'd have to whittle yeah. them down and play for that one. I think and be quite quite clever to get that one with some lists. If your army arrives at your opponent in waves as well, it's quite like you, you've got your your guys getting there, and then you do some damage in your turn, but you might finish them off in their turn, and yeah. then your your backup yeah. slow units arrive. I think it, it's uh, if you've got gun, gun line of army, armies, yeah. should have no problem with that because you just pick three small targets and shoot them all off in one go, don't you? Yeah, couple of heroes and chaff screens. Um, if your opponent worries about Battleshock or if you've got an army that can exploit bravery and your opponent worries about Battleshock, that's a bit more easy too, but still not a doddle. Um, grudge. Uh, when you reveal this auxiliary objective, you must pick one enemy hero in your opponent's starting army and one friendly hero in your starting army. You complete it if that enemy hero is slain by an attack made by a melee weapon by that friendly hero. That is three requirements. Mm. Hard. Yeah. For, for a lot one. of armies, yeah, yeah, it it's might be quite a good one for the prime. So if you're yeah. using a celestial yeah. prime, you could say, "Well, my prime will kill this hero," because basically, at any given point in the game, you can come down and say, "Well, I'm nine away. I'll make my charge automatically with yeah. the prime ability, charge in, and then just bonk him over the head." So yeah. again, and you can it's... shoot them a bit first too and stuff. Yeah, I mean, but the again, it's you've got to get a, a hero into melee of something you've got to kill, so um, it's very tricky. Uh, but some, it is some armies it is, will do that easy. 
I think it's quite a, a good way to play head games with people, especially if you're playing like free place of arcane power or something like that. And yeah, you can yeah. say, well, yeah. you want to kill that character in combat with your character anyway, and then you don't want them to kind of think twice about sticking them on the objective. So, yeah. You can also get someone to tie up if they don't have many screening units. What if they have to keep back uh, like a substantial, like uh, a medium elite unit of twenty guys back to to put a to put a board around the thing that they're protecting? Then those twenty guys aren't somewhere else on the table doing something useful potentially. It's a bit like your Godrak list, you know. If you said that Godrak's going to go kill this cat, big scary character, they're they're going to be like, well. I don't want Godrak being able to mighty destroyers or or counter charge yeah. with Iron Sons or get yeah. into range of me to do that because that's that's going to give you the auxiliary, but also like he's very capable of going into combat and killing something, right? So yeah, absolutely. I think with so. the with all of the like the, the really competitive builds or what you'd see as the competitive builds at the moment, they're usually quite sort of like they don't have big heroes do you like take the Eidneff list that's quite competitive at the moment yeah. that really has a tidecaster and two soul scrolls like maybe one it doesn't really have many heroes that are going to want to fight we so it, it's a very different yeah but most people don't i mean sometimes Vortonus is in the list sometimes he's not but yeah. Vortonus or the king's still quite easy to kill i think that one's really good if you've got a, a, a like yeah. a super character to go in and kill something with but if you're you run in sort of like the more i mean like look at um look at like a luminef build it's going to be maybe techless maybe a cathar they're not really going to want to take that because they're not going to want to in be, melee yeah they're not going to want to fight anything so it, it's very different uh, it's very difficult if you're running support heroes that aren't like a big killy hero and you're using them as like a support function so look at fire slayer list your fire slayer heroes aren't really going to want to be fighting these because they don't do any of the heavy yeah. lifting. They just sit behind stuff and make the units better. You um, need to, so, and they uh, struggle to reach. They struggle to reach yeah. too. Like they, they might yeah. just not get there on their little legs. <laughs> yeah. You need a big, you need a big monstrous hero like a keeper, something like that. I mean, I'm yeah. looking at Cradron and go. The fact it's got to be a melee as well. I'm thinking, yeah, a KO hero that's going to kill you in combat, probably not. Yeah, gonna not gonna happen, happen, just, it? just yeah. some of these you're not going to be able to do. So. You, you just look at that one and go, well, I don't have a melee hero, so I'll have to get another, you know, I'll have to get another objective elsewhere. The, the only way I think you yeah. could probably do it is if you've got an admiral or or someone on a boat and you put yeah. the boat in and you just, you soften them up with all the Arcanauts, then he just bonks them the last wound. Yeah, it's it's like, like it's like the perfect storm, isn't it? So Yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah so, and that's something you're gonna have to factor in, especially if you're running like a uh, you know, five game tournament might be one of the ones that you don't take. But then that means that you're taking one of those other super difficult ones. So, yeah, I think you know, if you're gonna, just... when you write an army, you need to bear these in mind. But I don't think you'll be able to write a list that can compete in every Even scenario no. for every permutation of battle line, behemoth, and leader, and monster, yeah. and infantry, and hard to kill, plus all of these. So, you're gonna have to make some choices to just understand where you excel and where you don't. I think two-thirds, yeah. three-quarters max, and if you try to get more than that, you're probably writing a really weird army that is very good at secondaries and won't do as well in primaries. And you might get yeah. lucky. We spoke about Terry's list recently, and I think that's that's got quite a few of these covered, even the hard ones, but they're still very difficult ones. Um, on the mm -hmm. subject of which, Headhunter, you complete this uh, if all the leader units in your opponent's starting army are destroyed before the end of the battle. Terry, I love his opponent picking that. How often does that happen? You're not going to kill... I've I've never lost all three great and clean ones in a game. <laughs> I've never I've never lost that. I think at most I've lost one, two. maybe two. I think there's yeah. been the games where two have died by turn five, but 
that's a really brutal game to kill. That's basically two. requiring you to, generally speaking, more often than not, that should read, did you wipe your opponent's army? I did think. you table your opponent yeah. is for uh, yeah. the most yeah. part. I think it depends. Yeah. Like if you're if you've got like I was talking about the KO example, if they've got like yeah, three or four heroes that you just you just shoot them off, you're like, well I've not only have I done if you do the one that you've got to kill three units and kill all their heroes, and they've got three heroes, and yeah. you just shoot them all off in one turn, you go, Well, I've not only have I done that one, but I've also done I've done two in one one phase. Yeah. So yeah, one yeah, shooting yeah. phase, I've just done both. You know, and even for the oh, sorry, Russ, I was gonna say like I was gonna even say, I like think... Rain of Stars from the Star Drake over the game. Yeah. Does it? Or um, Peter's list from last week, we talked about the Lumineth one that like basically kills oh, sure. all the support heroes, one just Kathlar, kill them all on the first turn. But he's only yeah. got one Kathlar on his list, so you kill that one hero, yeah. you you win that mission. So if I was playing yeah. against that, yeah. I would pick that because it's like, you know, it's... Or he, but he one drops and kills all your heroes. And maybe. he chooses it, right? But, yeah. yeah, maybe. But yeah. I'm just saying, I'm saying that if I was playing against him, that would be a good mission because there's one model I have to kill with five wounds. Yeah. Yeah. With five of save. I think yeah. it's a very difficult one, but it generally fits with the plan of winning the primary objective quite nicely. So it's uh, if you're going to get the game anyway, you've got a good chance of getting that one. So it, it doesn't involve yeah. you do anything particularly weird, but it might just be really difficult to get. Um, Invader. So I think this one's good for a few people, but uh, it's quite hard in general. Uh, at the end of the battle, you have more friendly units wholly within your opponent's territory than your opponent has wholly within your territory. Again, hello, Terry. Yeah, I think you just plan for that one, don't you? And go, well, if I'm going to win, I'm going to be in their deployment zone and they're not going to have enough to outscore my units anyway. Um, but yeah, I'd quite, quite happily take that one, armies, I think. Yeah. You just have to be careful of things for techie armies drop that all... down and score late game, don't you? That just come in at the back and outnumber your units. If you're yeah. playing da- daughters, also, you can like... have like two units of Kinnari that you just... You can use to basically you can keep them off the table for the last round and just basically go well. I'm going to make sure that you're not you're not scoring that, or I am scoring that. So yeah, that's such a good one for screwing with your opponent's head because they can be off the table threatening that, and really you're threatening multiple things, and your opponent's staying back, and you're just giving yourself a uh, like an easier job in the middle of the board. Um, it's it's quite difficult for those armies that have the strategy of like asserting objective dominance early on, and then are often like. I don't know. They've lost two thirds of their army by the end of the game, but they've won the won the major. Um, so it, I think that's a bit of a rock paper scissors one. Some armies great, other armies uh, quite a bit more difficult. Marked for death. Um, you when you reveal this auxiliary objective, your opponent must pick one unit in their starting army that is not a hero. You complete this auxiliary objective if that unit is destroyed before the end of the battle. So again, it's your opponent picking it, but um, some armies are going to be amazing at this, and some armies are going to be okay. okay. So with this one, let's say you're having a great game, and you whittle your opponent down to one unit left, and then reveal this and go, "Well, you have to pick that one unit, and then I'm going to kill it." No, it's revealed at the beginning of the game. So oh, auxiliary, yeah, yeah auxiliaries uh, picked yeah. before. Yeah, you down and then flip So yeah, that they would have to. So basically, that. I think if you've got a very defensive unit like thirty plate bearers, forty more tech guard, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you they're never you could almost like say we you can try and kill it, but good luck with that. Again, with the canaries, you can also bait people. Stuff that's yeah. off the board again. Oh, I'll pick, I'll pick these canary, and then I'll drop them in right at the end Turn on the five, other side of the board three to the right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I don't think there's yeah. many stuff that can stay off until turn five, apart from probably Kinnari and the Prime. I think it's the only things. 
Yeah. So I think yeah, most yeah. books have got a free turn limit before yeah. that battle's destroyed. Three turns is great though, isn't it? Because the battle's yeah. probably going on around the center or yeah. off to the side, you know, over the main primary objectives of the game. And you just pop on the, the other side and go, yeah, I want to sit in this corner. Yeah. I think this I like so like Canary or Soul Scryers are quite good for that, just because they, they don't really... I mean, Canary are really good at sniping heroes and, and objective control. Um, you're going to... I mean, I don't know whether I'd put it on the Prime because like the Prime has more battlefield impact on me winning the Major than him yeah. getting five points for this oh. objective. Um, it's, a lot of the time I think with it's him like though, those throwaway ones. Yeah, a lot of the time with him, though, you're, you're, because he doesn't take a massive amount of hits back before he dies, a lot of the time with him, you're dropping down and you're kind of like wiping out those... 10 guys that are standing on your opponent's home objective or something like that, yeah. in which case if you drop down turn 3 and you muller 3 units and then just go and stand off to the side, he might have, and just stay there pew-pewing people, he might have done his job anyway um, Yeah, yeah. so that one's again, another flip-flop one this one I think is really hard, mass panic you complete this auxiliary objective if 2 or more different enemy units fail a battleshock test in the same battle round so some armies don't take battleshock <laughs> and it's so, hard yeah, to engineer anyway in. It was hard enough doing it with yeah. one unit in the agendas. Yeah. Yeah. And then two. Right. Terror, wasn't it, before? One. Terrify, yeah. yeah. Terrify, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd never pick that one because it was just everything was bravery it's... 10 or immune to battle shock. Yeah, well, this is a battle shock. Like, a command point, don't they? And stop it with a command point as well. So it's like, is, oh, exactly. I think Terrify, though, was destroy a unit, wasn't it? This is just fail. So, again, it's... Uh, okay. You could yeah. you could make them fail their test, but they don't necessarily die from it. So they yeah, lose yeah. like their model. So I mean it it might even play into the fact that if you want your opponent to spend their command points on inspiring presence because you yeah. want them to burn their command points. So if yeah. you're playing against an army that's got lots of units with low bravery and you, you spread your damage out and you say, Well, you either spend your points or you fail your battle shot by one point, that's still enough for me to get the mission. So yeah, 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 you could use it to put give your opponent a decision to make, which they might not normally would do. They'd normally just go, well, "I'll just let them a couple models run. I don't care." Yeah, like like daughters, if they're not going to be able to pile in and attack you in their next hero phase, that's a that's a job well done at that point. They're basically yeah, yeah, most because the they just spend the it's point. Time. They just use a witch brew. They're all mean to battle shot. They get to reroll everything. So bad. Example. I think it's quite good for <laughs> for Lumineff as well. Like Lumineff are good because you can use the voice of the mountain to reduce bravery by two. Get the Cathlar, bounce the battle shocks. Like you know, if you've got that unit of wardens fighting two units, yeah. and your opponent's like not got, and you've you've not, maybe you've comboed it with the total eclipse, so then they're spending two command points for one, so they're not going to be able to use oh, their the command point. points to stop. So you can voice of the mountain plus two bravery, um, total eclipse, two command points for one, and then bounce the two up battle shock off your wardens. Um, it just you sounds know, like it, a really lame playlist voice. Was it voice? Voice of the mountain. Voice, voice of the mountain. mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Total, eclipse. Total eclipse of the mountain, or whatever. Total eclipse. Yeah. Total eclipse. Um, voice of the mountain. It's like the, yeah, the, like the worst metal band playlist, like album. Yeah. Um, but the, the what best. I would say as well, it is. It says mass panic. It's in the battle round, so they could fail a battle shock in their turn or in your turn. So oh, it's like, it's okay. not... So actually, yeah. I think it's it's actually a lot easier than Terrify because Terrify, yeah. you have to destroy a unit. This one, you okay. just have to fail, and it's within a round. So I don't think it's too yeah. bad. Obviously, if you're playing against Bone Reapers, you're never getting that one, but, you know... It's... Yeah. <laughs> if, I think this is one of the ones that you... If you think you can get it, 
in your first couple of games, you spend these ones early, you get them out of the way, and then you leave yourself with the more flexible ones. Yeah. Um, so, Overwhelm, uh, you complete this objective if any enemy hero is slain by an attack made with a melee weapon by a friendly battle line unit. Three requirements. Nope. Hard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It depends on what it just, goes into, doesn't it? Like liberators into like a five wound hero kills it. Um, well, I've, but I've no, killed just the with plague bearers once, so yeah. Just remember <laughs> again, nothing, I suppose. Just remember the battle line unit bit means it's not your summoned units now. Yeah, was, come on, because they don't very, count as battle line anymore. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think so, that's it's specific and hard, um, but yeah. yeah, just it's what it is. Some armies, obviously, way better, like uh, Fire Slayers, yeah. if they're going to yeah, roll. Yeah, Daughters, because all your anyway. damage comes from your Witch Elves anyway, doesn't it? So you, you're right, going to be exactly, killing yeah. stuff. So The Kaolis so. would be good at it, because the Engine Riggers would be um, battle line battle if line. you've got the um, the Engine Master in the Dridgeable suit. So basically, your Aphomatic Saws, which are like Ren 2 damage D3, uh, yeah, threes you go and in twos with a unit of them. And, well, I think they are like freezing, yeah, freezing twos, three one yeah. and ones to yeah. hit, and just go in and just go like, well, I'll just, I'll just murder Ice cool. you with the saws. And they're so fast and they fly, you can probably get them where you need them to get to get to a hero because it's not, you don't have to specify again. And you're probably helping you do the mission by Alpha Strike and Hero anyway. So, yeah, exactly. I think it's, um, yeah, it depends on your army. I think if you've got even like more tech guard, will quite easily kill a hero in combat. Oh, and for it, sure, yeah. yeah. Of course, they will. It's more tech guard, mate. <laughs> OBR, don't take do it. They don't play in any of these auxiliary things. It's like, yeah, they kill all the heroes. Yeah, they don't die. Like, yeah, they like, you know, you don't take battle shock. OBR. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on. Pillage. When you, reveal, when you reveal this objective, you must pick one terrain feature wholly within your opponent's territory. Sometimes there isn't one of those. You complete this if you have a friendly unit with a combined wounds characteristic of five or more within three of that feature at the end of any battle round. This objective cannot be completed using a unit that was set up on the battlefield in the same battle round. Okay, Hard. so it stops the canary stuff like that. And, yeah, know, I think it's a, it's a if, thing. if you see a good bit of terrain, you pick this one, but try and get it out the way early because you could just get unlucky. Like where the terrain is or the size of it, their terrain could be on their objective and they could yeah. be not moving off it. Um, don't forget yeah. some some armies have their own terrain piece that they have to put in their territory. Good point. Yeah. So but... you could pick their terrain feature and just get within three of it and be like, yeah. well, like the altar of skulls or whatever for corn yeah, has to go the, in their territory. The loon, shrine, so. loon shrine as well, I think. Yeah. I think the um yeah. you even if you've got one that you can set up like the um Ossiart Bone Reapers um piece, you put that before the game starts so you can ensure that's wholly within their a territory. And when they pick table sides, they might pick the other side. But you, you can almost manipulate the table. Same with like uh, Sylvan F as well, yeah, or IDK point. boats, right? Because you can put yeah. you've got two boats there, one and so each. you just go one in your deployment. Yeah, one in each, and then just be a nuisance. Because you, you're like, well, I'm gonna get within three of it. Um, uh, you know, so yeah. I think it's, it's, it's the like, end of battle round. Yeah, so yeah, it's uh, like yeah, two wheels next easy. to it. Particularly yeah. if you're going second uh, in the round, because you just go and move yeah. on to it and go, well, I've got it. Yeah. So, it's mine now. Yep. Uh, moving on. Prey on the weak. You complete this if all the battle line units in your opponent's starting army are destroyed before the end of the battle, aka wipe okay. your opponent yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, possession. Like, some people take minimum battle line, don't they, as well? So, like, oh, yeah. I'm going to take three units of five and then do the rest of the cool shit and just go kill, kill, kill. Right. Okay. That's yeah. one done. So, so nice, nice, 
on that side though, like if they spent ninety points on a unit of Arcanauts, they probably don't le- mind leaving them in a corner to deny it. Yeah. Um, on like all those death armies, all those death armies with yeah. fifteen dogs chasing the dragons around. I don't see them anymore because they put the price of dogs, <laughs> necromancers, and everything else up, and it's not viable for a tournament army anymore. So, plus oh, the fact, okay. Okay. if you return yeah. them from the graves, they're not dead, so you wouldn't score it. So, fucking dogs. Prize <laughs> possession, which is basically um, ancient heirlooms, I think. When you reveal this yeah. objective, you must pick one friendly hero with an artifact of power. Uh, you complete it if that hero has not been slain by the end of the battle. Yeah, so it's slightly if different you, if you've got resilient heroes. heirlooms because that used to be you just had to have one left, didn't you? So if you had yeah. multiple, you could risk losing one, but you just had to keep one alive. But this one, it's a specific mm. hero, isn't it? So you just pick your yeah. your most survivable artifact and just hope that they can hang on. Yeah, if you've got named characters, it can get a bit more tricky. Say you've got a big dude supported by a whatever, it can be quite difficult to keep your whatever alive. If it's a five rune wizard with a like a just a an ablative item on it, because why not? Um, but a fairly fairly standard silly objective. You must pick one terrain feature that is not within your territory. You complete it if you have one or more friendly units within three of that terrain feature at the end of the fourth battle round. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this. Play, this reminds me of an, a mission from way back in the day where it was. It wasn't at the end of the game. It was like mid. Was it one of the things that it was in the tournament pack that was done for Clash, wasn't it? It was the MoComp, yeah. Where it was, it was like about round three or something. You had to, you had to do that. It was almost the same, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite a cool one, but um, smaller armies might struggle with this. Uh, if if all the units have to be doing something useful, uh, but yeah, just kind of. It's just remembering. Normal. It's just remembering at the yeah. end of turn you've got to have a unit stood there, and then I think yeah. It, so it can be a bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, territorial, uh, da, 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 da. you must pick one objective on the battlefield. You complete this if uh, you control that objective at the end of two consecutive battle rounds, not turns, battle rounds. So that's going to be like three places of power, something like that, that you've got. You know, you, you're going to try and hold those objectives or yeah. you know, something along those lines. It's going to be difficult for some armies, but it's also if you've done that, you're probably winning the game, so you double down on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, one of those again. If you're going to do well, pick this. I think if you've got a, a mission, a one that's got a home objective as well, it's a fairly easy one because you want to protect it anyway. Um, Knife to the heart, like sticking dudes on it and stuff. Yeah, yeah or Battle for the Pass, Focal Points, all that, those ones that you've got one, the diamond, um, yeah. sort of one's worth four, the where's, you know, there's worth four, yours is worth one, sides are worth two. Those sort of missions, um, total conquest as well. There's one in your right in your back corner where you deploy, so yeah. you you could just keep that one. But again, it's especially if you're playing against a slow opponent who doesn't have a lot of teleport in it. They're not going to get there in two turns to get you off of it. So no. Um, final one is vengeful counter, which is pretty cool. You complete this if any enemy units are destroyed in the same turn that any friendly units are destroyed. Um, not too bad to engineer, really. In most scenarios i think it's quite easy yeah, yeah. that one seems yeah. pretty straightforward does one thing i was just looking for does it say what you have to write the 15 that you're going to use on your list what do you uh, mean for the I, tournament pack yeah no, i, I, no, I can not see it in so. there so you no. you can sort of pick and choose these as you go anyway you sort of pick your i'm definitely going to do these 10 12 and then you'd you sort of hey, the last couple of events 
where they ask you to write the 15 the 15 that you're taking yeah when you go thinking, to the event like, so they might yeah. i don't know like you know it would be you'd think that they'd have it in there but like usually at the gw events they'd be like right okay write down what you're using so then we can yeah and then you can decide to not use the three impossible ones for your list before you yeah. go to the event i think the, yeah. i don't know I, f- I think i don't think there's any comment on here about in this pack as well about not duplicating them uh no i saw I something let's pick three different in each yeah. round of the tournament yeah yeah uh, yeah, but I, I don't I, think I don't think okay. you'll be forced to pick the fifteen at the eighteen because you know sometimes you you just won't be able to do it. Like yeah, you, yeah. So I think as long as you're recording them, you you have to record which ones yeah. you used, and by the end you will have used fifteen, and you won't have used mm. three, and they're probably as, always going to be the same three because they're hard. As a TO, I wouldn't I wouldn't ask you to 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 restrict yourself down to fifteen because it's not like you're playing five out of eighteen. You're playing fifteen yeah. out of eighteen, so yeah, yeah, it's it's not worth it's not worth getting people to make that choice pre-tournament. No, as as you no, duplicate. You're probably not going to do the, the same. Round. You're probably not going to do the same three anyway. When you write your list, you go, "Well, I can't do those three, so I'm just going to do the other fifteen anyway." Um, um, yeah, I mean, as, I think it's actually not bad like, that you can just choose as you go because, like, we've all turned up to the table sometimes, and this is going to sound really bad, but we've all turned up to the table sometimes, and you're like. Like this guy's obviously here for a different reason at a tournament than I'd be there for. You know, I want to be the first you know, event ever or whatever. Yeah. And like they've got like you know, for, like an entire like troll army with none of the optimal bits. And you're like, okay, cool. Like I'm just gonna. And I've got like sixty fire slayer, like sixty hearth uh, berserkers, and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna put walk over it. So then you can maybe you know you're gonna win that mission. So you then maybe choose one of the harder ones that you know then that tees you up for the easier ones later on. You so, just take yeah, the three it's... hardest ones and hope that you you don't you know yeah you don't fail you don't it. it. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. Don't do a Matt Leon's and get Trogoth off unexectedly with your Deepkin, <laughs> wasn't it? It's something like that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that troll army. Amazing. <laughs> I think I think like, yeah. the strategy you employ for choosing your missions, like whether you 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 know, like Terry says, you play someone who perhaps isn't as seasoned as yourself, and you think, well. I can guarantee these ones really easily because I know that I'm probably going to wipe them off the table, yeah. and that allows you to um, claim those those points that against a good player like later on, and when you're someone who's more at your level, when you've gone yeah. through the Swiss system, it's going to be a harder game, and so yeah. they're going to be harder to do. So just just another it, type of resource management, isn't it? Basically, yeah, and uh, I think it's- the getting used to them and understanding what you can use when is going to be really important. Yeah, exactly that, mate. I think like like you touched on, you're going to want the easiest missions in the hardest games so that you can guarantee you get those 15 points. And also one of the things that I'd be doing just going forward for tournaments would be sitting down and reading each of these and looking at my list and then reading them again and knowing like knowing how they affect how i'd play the game they're going to be a crucial part of how i play going forward so it would make sense to i think like for a tip just don't turn up to an event and use these as a like an afterthought they need to be part yeah. of your prep for the event and and you know you even have like your easier six and your worst six written down or something and then you've just got yeah. something to because it's a, 18 is a lot especially your first two games you've got 18 and 15 to choose from at that point yeah, I, f- I think you've got to be really careful as well that in some scenarios, some of those aren't possible. So yeah. you need to really make sure Get that rid. when, if you're in a five-round event and there's 18 scenarios, that you don't want to get to the last round 
and then the scenario dictates you're not going to be able to get your mission. Yeah. So there are some that you will, depending on what mission comes up, you will use straight away because in that mission, they're achievable, whereas in other missions, yeah. they're not. And you can't risk it. Yeah. You yeah. can't risk yeah. holding yeah. on to those. Exactly. It's, it's understanding which well, aren't achievable as well. It's knowing which ones aren't achievable so that you, it's like, don't think about it. Like Russ says, don't let yourself get caught out by playing the, you know, trying to play the objective mission in the last round of a tournament on table one and go, I mean, you wouldn't be if you're on table one, last round of a tournament, but like, you know, with the objective in the territory, it's knowing which ones are achievable, which missions you cannot physically win with that mission. You can't score those objectives. So just understanding how they, interacting the game with the missions is like i think like massive now um you know i mean list design playing lots of games and this is like the three legs of the tripod i think maybe it's all about knowledge isn't it like if you know if you know the missions and you know the scenarios and you know the combinations and you know your army you know their army when you come to a table you can make all those decisions you have to make at the beginning you're making an informed decision um so and like I so said, some people can read and memorize it. Other people can have to play loads of games and get that behavior ingrained. And I think it's yeah. understanding how you work uh, and give yourself the best possible chance to score as many points as possible. And I'm, I'm kind of a bit of a believer in if you can get points, even if it's against someone that you think, oh, I'm probably going to win this game anyway, it's just get the points that are available. Like just, just At the in moment, front of you, yeah. get as everything you can get. Because the, the worst thing is is if you play someone that you think you're going to beat and you, you put the hardest missions in, you don't achieve them. But later on, you've got an yeah. easy mission, but you're playing someone you're probably not going to beat and you don't get the mission either. And then you, you've been you've double downed on failure, basically. Um, no, that's a good yeah. point. So I think it, a confidence will come into it and being able to read the table state. But I think for me, I, I would like to use the missions to almost manipulate my opponent's thought process. Yeah, yeah. So I think in some, you know, when it's like pick their hero or you pick a unit or you you can almost like, you know, they've got to kill my navigator who's in the gun hauler with the collapsible compartment in the corner of the board. Gone then. Go get him. Like, you know, I don't care. He's done his job. He can shoot you for 24 inches away. Come get him. And the point is, it's like you can, um, I think you can really mess with people with these with these missions especially more decisions yeah exactly you give them more opportunities to to make the wrong decision um so i I do really like what they add to the game i I think they add a a real level of depth i like they're all not super easily achievable either it might be just these days like uh whereas it used to be you expect to to get one like a good player is going to get 100 percent in their first four games out of five perhaps that's just way less achievable now and that's just a a shift in expectations it'll break people up in top tables more easily and more obviously and it'll probably encourage people to write slightly more well-rounded lists also so i don't see any no- negatives to them whatsoever and i kind of like the struggle i wish there was less to think about but i'll get over it <laughs> it's the wrong wrong game if you don't want to think go play, yeah go play something else <laughs> snap snap <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not too complicated oh. the images look the same oh. uh, so, <laughs> um, but I think that about wraps up for auxiliary objectives so we're a big fan um, we think they're yeah, going to yeah. add a level and it would be really interesting how TOs use that mechanic uh, going forward yeah. if you are going to run an event and you're going to force people to write them down or anything like that like let us know your thoughts on it and also if you think you've got a list that is like that perhaps doesn't overtly look amazing like uh, Les has already mentioned the um 
the new elves. I think they're going to excel at this type of stuff. And the list that Les is going to talk about later actually is a very good example of something that uh, does a little bit of everything and probably has real equity in terms of being able to cash in these. Yeah, we'll see, he says. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take a short break and we'll be back with the next section. Cool. Cool. Facehammer is sponsored by Element Games. So for great customer service, all the latest Age of Sigmar releases at 20% off, and all your hobby needs, go to www.elementgames.co.uk. To support us directly, click through the banner on our website and let them know that you came from us. We are going to talk about Terry Pike's excellent latest commission, which is his lovely, lovely Sinesh Army. So do you want to give us a little bit of background on the army, Terry? Or you, you... Um, well, I was just tasked with doing a Slanesh army um, for someone on the scene, and they left it pretty much all to my devices. So I picked a colour scheme that I probably would have done myself, which is oh, bright, awesome. colourful, something that people don't really normally do with Slanesh. They're more flesh-coloured um, than like the purple, pale, you know, demonette hide that you yeah, normally see. Me. So done yeah, it's and normally so like they... pale skin, isn't it, and stuff, and yeah. you've done it like more warm. So they've got more of a nice. more of an actual closer to flesh color, like quite. Um, trying to think what I use Kislev flesh mixed with a bit of um, like bone in it, just to sort of. Um... So I've just put the keeper up on the screen um, so people can see that. So you can um, yeah. you can see the color scheme Terry's talking about. So just talk us through. You've done like a, a nice sort of realistic flesh color. Um, yeah. So, what else did you, when you were doing that, what what colours did you think would go around the edges with that? Um, so, on a tester model I did for myself a long time ago, I wanted the the pink to purple um, transition um, towards like their feet and their hands and like the scaly bits of the model. So, like on the tail, on the keeper as well, and and the some of the demonettes they have it on. Um, I just wanted it to be purple as well i i you know i love painting purple and pink so it, it seemed to go nicely with the flesh through to pink through to um the purple and the pink use is actually um vallejo sunset red and when you put that over flesh you get a really really nice vibrant um color which then you can immediately darken down with the purple which is uh, vallejo's purple as well hexed uh lichen oh yeah yeah that's my go-to purple it's really really vibrant that isn't it that color it recovers so well oh yeah if you put it over black black, it's really dark like you'd expect but when you put it over white it's super 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 bright like such a vibrant purple but when you you know you look at it and think it's not going to be that bright but it it really is when you is the transitions that through airbrush then yeah so the transitions are all knocked out with the airbrush um you, I mean, across an entire army, it would just take. I think you'd be taking too long to, yeah. to, you know, to hand blend that down. You could put some simple transitions down, but I think if you want a smooth blend on like the keeper's legs from flesh right at the top to purple right at the bottom, it's going to take way too long for a gaming army. There's you, not, there's no, not a fast way to do it. Yeah. You just can't beat the airbrush in certain applications, and I think that is one of them when you're trying to put down a gradient across you know, what is it, 50, 70, 85 models? They're not yeah. small either, you know? Yeah, I mean, especially when they're, 
they're smooth, right? As well, if it was like a, a load of yeah, dragons you, or something with scales, that yeah, you, you could, could dry brush over a lot, a lot of that, and the scales yeah. would take a lot of the transition, wouldn't they? But when you're doing yeah legs on a keeper that are like long, yeah. elegant, like stocking type material, you, I, I just don't think you can really really beat the airbrush no. for that you could probably do like a weird contrast wet blend on the surface maybe but i, I still just don't think you'll time, get the result that you want for the time no. invested i just don't think you're going to get that result any other way okay. so um, did the was the yeah. satiny sort of like turquoisey blue like uh cloak was that airbrushed as well and then sort of like so, touched up with brush blending no so on the you, no. on the two keepers it's airbrushed because the robes are separate so big yeah and they're so big um on all the other models it's blended so it's just a quick wet blend on the surface on like the epitome celeste's robes um the demonettes and everything else themselves have all just got quick blends on the i say quick blends they're not really quick at all but i was gonna say you've got to slow down at that point right yeah i mean on the characters the blends are good like you know they're 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 decent there was time put into those on the demonettes, you can get away of like a quick sort of like an almost glazy wet blend over the top. Because um, it's the those... hair, isn't it? Dark at the roots, going out to the tips. I yeah, suppose, the hair. You could get cool. almost get away of dry brushing. To be fair, I just kind of yeah. sort of overbrush them with like not a dry brush. Just it it was a very controlled, messy highlight over hair yeah. where you just pick out the ridges with a with one quick one quick stroke. Um, but yeah, the the robes on the keepers and Shlaxi were were airbrushed on, and then I varnished them as well with uh, satin varnish just to um, keep like I used a mixture of paints, so some had a glossier finish than others. I think that yeah. I used my Tamiya flat white ran out, so I used Tamiya white, and it's actually quite glossy. Yeah, um, which was surprising because I I. I would have thought it was just like a normal finish, like, you know, somewhere between satin and matte, like most of the colors, but it was actually quite glossy. So I, yeah. once all the robes were done, I hit them all with a satin varnish and you're probably going to pick the models up by the robes quite a bit. Yeah, you are. Um, Cause... So you're using, you're using Tammy there. I presume because other people might not know that it's just like silk when it comes out the airbrush, you're using that because it comes out so smooth, I guess. Yeah. So with um, whites, with the airbrush, I think you, you've got two real good options. Um, you've got white ink or you've mm-hmm. got Tamiya whites. I was just about to say, if you've used the Dela and Rowney white ink. Yes, because I, I, I have used that. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, so what I found is the Tamiya flat white is just smoother anyway. Oh, so I, I would have thought the ink would have actually been a smoother flow through the airbrush, but the Tamiya flat white and the Tamiya white in this case just seemed smoother anyway even though the ink should have smaller pigment Small in it pigments. as well because yeah. it's because it's an ink not a paint tamia just feels like it's it's like it's like pre-lubed it, it just comes out of an airbrush just always behaves always is consistent and out of machinery at least not with a brush i think it's a nightmare like that i don't but think you can it. apply it with a brush because the oh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't stick properly um no so just um just so we talk about the scheme again so you've got the light, light blue robes and that you've done like green gems is there a reason you went for green uh it just contrasts nicely against the flesh um and obviously the the blue is actually a green although it looks blue it's so tech green 
mixed okay. with white. Ooh. So yeah. there is there is that turquoisey element to it. So it's not actually a pure blue. There is a green um, hue in in there, which is more visible when you've actually got the models in hand. Um, yeah. And obviously the green goes nicely because you've already got the the slight tint of green in a hint of it yeah in the um robes and hair um but it just stands out nicely against the the purple and the gold obviously because all the metal is gold washed with purple the you know the green just contrasts really nicely against it and i, I just think green green's just classic for gems isn't it they when you see nicely painted green gems they're just pleasing I think even if you put them yeah. on a green model, they'd still look pleasing enough because <laughs> you've got the yellow in there as well, like yeah. as the final highlight on the, on the green gems normally, um, and they're glossy as well. So they I always they... see uh, gems classic colours red, but that's uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Farm I used to paint for me. Yeah. Green green seems to be the one I've done the most of. I think because um, obviously that elder <laughs> army I did previously that had green gems. Oh, purple was it? I can't remember. No, it's the purple accent color against the black, wasn't it, that you did with the outer army? That's why I'm thinking purple. Did I do green gems? I can't remember now. I thought I did, per- you know, I'm I did purple ago. glowy weapons, but the gems... And the purple... It's the accent that I'm thinking of because yeah, of the, the purple on the... Yeah, like, the, the purple on the and stuff, yeah. tanks and stuff, but the gems themselves were green. Yeah, yeah, they were green. Uh, I think red wouldn't have worked particularly well on that scheme as well. If you'd have put like... No, red probably would have clashed with, maybe. The, with the red and the flesh, maybe. No, I think quite um, a scheme, orange but... could have could have done quite well, like an orangey to yellow. Yeah, but, yeah orangey yeah, yellow would be nice. I'm just showing the back of the keeper now, so you can see the the smoothness on those um those robes that are on the back. So you you did you do any brushwork on that, or is it all just airbrush? The robes on the keepers are pure airbrush. But you normally and glaze what, um... at the end, do you? Like with a so paint normally, glaze? normally I would paint glaze over them, but the the finish on them was so smooth. From mm. the um, the Tamiya that I I didn't really see the the no need because yeah. I sprayed I sprayed yeah. on the the satin varnish and it just it just smoothed out the surface a little bit more and yeah. there was very little obviously if you have airbrush anyone listening in the past white you often get the dusty powdery yeah. Yeah. effect because spraying white over anything the odd little droplet that goes here it's or scary. there is really obvious. But Tamiya just, you don't really get much. Um, they're so smooth. Um, like, shout out to Andy Wardle's White Scar bike video. Yeah. I, oh, if, God, you've, yeah. if you've seen that or haven't seen that, go. that is amazing for doing white. Um, and again, he uses Tamiya whites, and you can see why. They, they're they so smooth. Um, but yeah, normally when I do any airbrushing, I'll... I'll put a washer or glaze over afterwards just to get rid of that airbrushed look yeah. of yeah. the powdery finish you sometimes get. Obviously, all the skin was done with airbrush and then washed with a mixture. So the whole model, effectively, other than the robes, is washed with this mix. So it's the metal, the skin, the claws, the purple, all of that is all washed with um, a Drucci Violet Lamia Medium with some soft tone, army paint the soft tone in there as well. Nice. That is who um, I, I like washing mixes. Yeah, I like washing um, gold with purple, um, especially yeah. with the It gives that. It just gives that really nice finish. Um, the little bit of soft tone in there just it just ties it all together. It, it gives you it smooths out the transitions on the skin a little bit. That extra little bit of soft tone, and it gives that sort of brownie shadow in the skin as well on top of the purple. Um, yeah, it's 
the metals have got like a really nice like bronzy feel because of the purple obviously over the yeah. purple in the brain over the gold yeah, like, it makes them look the metal's simple as well it's it's balthazar gold it's washed the purpley mix and then it's got a silver highlight on it that's that's it there's no yeah. i've not had to do any extra layers or anything on it it's i think it's quite a good example of when you you focus on the focal points of the model like the skin the black blue and the details can be done very simplistically um you know like the metals and things like that because there's you don't want the eye drawn to those areas too much anyway but you want to no. make sure they've got definition yeah. so i've just got um shellaxi yeah. hellbane on the screen and i'm looking at the shield it reminds me of necrons just because it's like silver bronze and bright luminous green <laughs> so, yeah and again cool. that, that was that was straightforward again just silver um base coat with the balthazar gold and i washed the whole thing with the same um purple and then i just put some little tiny silver scratch marks on it just to sort of add a bit of you know liveliness to the shield painted the gems and glossed them um and again yeah. washing all the metal as well with the soft tone purple mix takes a lot of the shine off the metal so that when yeah. you put your highlights on you're controlling where the highlight where the shine is yeah. um because obviously met you know when you're base coating and highlighting metals if it's all shiny it's hard to see where the highlight really sits but if you control it by making the rest of the metal darker then you really get to sort of show where you want your highlights rather than the natural metal highlight to sort of put it where it wants to so you sort yeah. of control it a bit more almost like with a non-metallic metal because you've dulled it down so it's not shiny to put the highlight back in to add the shine afterwards so what about the basin yeah. then? Did you just did you come up with that? You just so wanted to keep it again, close to the blue, and it's like almost like a turquoise, isn't it? It's it? a it's um like a jade, like an emeraldy color. Um, I'm trying to think what color it is. Uh, tur light turquoise maybe. Actually, I've got it here on my desk. Um, emerald turquoise. It's got dark sea blue and blue green. Yeah, so it's Vallejo blue green, and then it's just shaded around the the rock with um Vallejo dark sea blue, like quite thin, just to add I a bit of shadow. That. Dark sea blue is an amazing paint. Dark, dark sea blue yeah. is 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 one of my favourite colours. Um, it's it's amazing. I did the skin again, on you... um, my latest Bellacore with with dark sea blue mixed in as well. And again, um, you've used um, the finish to affect that. You've used varnishes. Yeah, so you've got a really matte base with matte pigments next to gloss varnish. So it it really sells. You know, the bases just pop. You'll see those across the gaming hall. Same same way go. I've done my basing on my army purple with you know the the tentacles and slime and bubbles. This one I wanted a more simplistic, so I didn't put bubbles or tentacles in. I just kept it you know as a a one coat of water effectively, just like you know blue poison you know poisonous lakes or something. Just it, yeah. it needed did to be you, something bright and colourful. Did you achieve that the standard way, which is for people who don't know, sort of like get the cork down and then just apply PVA thickly and let it dry, or did you do it a different way? Um, so with these, I, yeah, so cork down first and then PVA over the plastic base, because obviously the plastic base it's has less, its own yeah. texture. So put PVA down over it. Once it's dry, do it again, because as the PVA yeah. dries, it shrinks in it shrinks, yeah. away from the edge of the base. So you need a couple of coats of it. Um, you could use water effect or something as well, um, which will, again, will shrink a little bit um i've seen people sand the bases as well just to get rid of that texture to smooth them out and then mm. then put the That's water what I did with my yeah over afterwards but 
again because it's a commission army i don't i didn't want to put on a load of different water textures and you know because it's a gaming army as well so it's not you know it's not meant to have super realistic water it's just meant to look effective and you know then a nice tidy black rim just frames the the turquoise quite nicely uh, and just obviously- um I'm just looking at the Celeste yeah, on the all screen the color now. Choices are gorgeous. Um, so this is one of my favorite Celeste models. Um, what I really like about what you've done on here is you've picked out all the scarification in like um, almost white. Uh, and again, you've got this ice blue lipstick thing going on, which is... Yeah, uh, so I've put that on all the steel. peepers and demonettes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I the face just looked a little bit boring with... You know, I thought I could do some like crazy eye shadows or, you know, something. I just put the blue lipstick sort of on. I was like, do you know what? That's, I think that's enough with the eyes. Because yeah. the model's got great eyes as well. That works. Because they're bigger. Because yeah. yeah. it's like a, a larger sculpt, isn't it? It's like almost a 54 mil size model. The it's eyes are really nice yeah. to paint. Yeah, um, I, just, I was looking at the job you did on the eyes of really good and where you've even done a little bit of like undershade on the bottom eyelid. You know, yeah, to... so they, they have got that sort of bit of shadow there. I was going to glaze some like purple or blue around the eyes as well, just to um, uh, you know, add that extra color. But with with the sort of shade in the face already had, it was I think it was just enough, and I didn't want to like overdo it. I think uh, you know you can overcook these things sometimes when you add too many colors. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I really like the um, I really like his robe as well, like round his legs. That was a joy to paint when I did mine. Oh, the, I'd love painting the robe on it, and it didn't actually take too long. I when I started doing, it, I thought, oh, this is going to be this is going to be long, but obviously, where I'm painting all the time, I've got a lot quicker at you know blending over the years, and you you know just a couple of quick layers, you can get a really effective result on that robe just because the folds in the robe are quite they're so defined, aren't they? Yeah, they're quite obvious, so. I think you could just airbrush it as well and hold it at such an angle that it just misses all of the undersides. Um, yeah. And I mean, again, with contrast, it would sit like a, you know, a couple of washes would sit quite happily on the on the folds as well. Well, so, the Sinesh yeah. I did was all contrasted and it went really well over those robes. It looked great. So yeah, yeah. There's there's yeah, cool. you know, those sort of models. You can you can spend hours on those sort of heroes, and I actually spent quite a lot of time on him because it's. He's big enough that you can airbrush some of it, but he's also small enough that you have to go in and do a lot of brushwork. He's not like a traditional monster where a lot of it's big pieces that are separate. And with him, I built the entire thing and kept the demonette on top, the herald, separate. Um, Mm. But for him, I think it was just his axe that was separate to him. So, you know, his head and the collar and everything was already sort of in place. But I think you could have maybe sub-assembled it a little bit more, but when I did mine, I I kept the demonette on his back banner, and I the the only sub-assembly was the entire back banner with the demonette sat stood yeah, in it. So and I, him did, as I did think about doing that, um, but I kept the back piece and the demonette separate so that I could um, sort of maneuver her around a little bit more. But th- yeah, that would have worked just as well. Um, but I'd already done it, so I just kept them separate. And you, yeah. do you use weathering powder on the base to get that orangey yeah. look? Yeah, so they've got a secret weapon, orange, uh, rust, just around the sort of sandy bits on the base just to break it up and give it another colour. Um, How do you, you apply, apply it, that with, like, dry or wet? Because I've always used, I've always applied weathering powder wet, like make a wash out of it and then let it dry and then dust over the top to, to blend it in to the, if it sort of like needs tide marks or do yeah. you just 
brush it I just dry. use an old old brush, pick it up, and then just place it where I want it and just dust it in with the tip of the brush, and then you can seal it afterwards. I with... use this stuff, the texturizer for AK Interactive. It's, ah, it's okay. like a acrylic resin. Yeah. It's really good for applying weathering powder. Yeah, so you can seal it with varnish or isopropanol. So it's, you can you don't need a lot to um to seal it down a lot. I'm just trying to think what the other thing people use is. Uh, isopropanol varnishes. I think there is pigment fixer alcohol. as well, isn't there? Or just alcohol yeah, there is a in general. Fixer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, isopropanol through the airbrush, straight. Yeah, just blast it on, and it will look like you've sprayed it all off. But that's just because it's wet and it goes darker. But once it dries yeah. and it's fixed, it, the orange will come back. back again. I mean, you lose yeah. some of it, but yeah, you know, you can you can always just dust a little bit more on afterwards. But yeah, the like you said, that's the other way to do it is to make a wash apply it like a wash and then it sits in the recesses and forms like a quite a natural dusty look anyway yeah that's, that's how i've used mine in the mine. past especially if it's recessed it's like uh, i've got a model a neck one here if it's in the joints there you can't pick up a model by the internal bits of its joints just by definition so yeah, yeah. so you don't really even yeah. need to fix it in in a lot of places to be fair on those um demonettes and stuff you probably don't actually need to fix it on the base because you can't really touch no you can't really touch it anyway because it get picked up by their torsos or their weapons or something. Yeah, it's in amongst yeah, grains right. of sand, so you're not you're not really going to touch it you know, much at all. But um, so with the demonettes, did you airbrush the purple, the skin to purple, then just brush in the other detail? Yeah. So the the entire army was sprayed flesh first, then the purple, the sunset red, and then the purple, um, and then I went back and painted all the gold and silver on every single model and then wash the entire yeah. army as well so at that point everything was done to the same stage and then the skin and the metal was done and then it's a case of just painting the robes the hair and the teeth and spikes and bits it's... What, what's the exact flesh recipe Terry, from start to finish um so it's uh, the model was uh, spray black uh, mm-hmm. then it sprayed tamia white from above with the airbrush um i probably would have sprayed it white out of a can but i just didn't have any to hand yeah. Um. So I don't. I don't like yeah. using Corax White for doing it because I've I've just always had bad results with it going quite grainy. So mm-hmm. I just wipe wipe through the airbrush top down just to brighten up the top of all the models because they're pro- predominantly quite a bright color scheme. So you want to put the flesh over a white. Let it pop. Yeah. And just yeah to really to really get it to show through. Uh, white from above and then the whole model is effectively sprayed with um, Kisler flesh. Then it's sprayed top down with bone white just to mm-hmm. sort of brighten up the tops so that when you put the wash on, there's a good bit of color definition between the you know the top and bottom of the flesh. Uh, sunset red on all the claws and like limb sort of ends, so the ends of the legs, tails, claws, um, you know, then it's the hex lichen towards the end. Um, and then it's just the wash over it, the Drucci Violet, Soft Tone, Lamy Medium. And that that's the skin done at that point. On the Keepers, um, I did go back and um, paint in some highlights on like some of the muscles and bits and pieces. Not yeah, not with is. not with like layers or anything, just like really small, subtle, like almost like a glaze over the top just to make some of the shapes a bit more pronounced. To pull it up a bit. Yeah. Um, and you I mean you could just go back and dry brush 
over yeah. the skin and stuff as well. Like it just yeah. depends what sort of effect you're going for at the end. And then on the claws, I ran like some um, black through the airbrush right at the ends of the keepers yeah. and Shalaxi's claws, just so they were really dark at the end. And I highlighted them with a bit of gray uh, and then went in. And so the claws on the, all the bigger stuff is painted um, with Doomball brown or battlefield brown from p3 basically the same color like a burnt ember brown um burnt umber i think it's called um yeah and then zandri dust lines painted onto the claws and then wraithbone lines painted on and then actually on the bigger yeah. models the bigger claws is white right at the ends as well just to get the lines built up on the demonettes it's just wraithbone painted straight over the the purple but i just left small lines and some of them so you still get the little lined effect um like the yeah like the weathered sort of bone effect that you've yeah got so you, you paint like, you paint uh, it on, on with horns and stuff. yeah on horns and um, teeth and stuff where you, you leave sort of smaller lines each time you go up to the next color um but i didn't i didn't see the point in doing three stages of bone on each claw not something of that size yeah on demonettes it's just you don't need it you you don't you can't even really spot it if i did it to all of them i did it to half of them and half the other ones probably wouldn't even be able to tell until you you had the models a few inches from your head it's a good risk of deleting your um, previous layers it's a good way to approach an army when you look at something like you've got 40 infantry the predominant areas is going to be the the skin blend and the hair and, and if you if you look at the picture that I've I put up now which is the the unit zoomed slightly zoomed out the claws look fine awesome. you, you, yeah. you don't see that the, the fact that it's just one color paint flat color really but then obviously even if you zoom in it, it still looks fine because you've got forty of them but when you get to something like the keeper you want to make sure that the um, you know, you've put the extra effort in because they're much bigger and then it's a, more of a focal model in the army. Yeah, especially on its claws. And this is like the thing about army painting is knowing across an army which areas to to highlight, to, to bring the attention mm. to. It's like faces, bases and shields, isn't it? It's the kind of the um, yeah. the kind of the, the ad, old yeah. adage. But And it's yeah. like you said about the key element of the keepers is that if someone walked up to that army on the table and it was set up for display, they wouldn't pick up a demonette straight away. They'd be looking at the keepers. They'd be looking at those the yeah. models that add height. So they, you want those to be the, like the things that really pop. And then obviously don't scrimp on the demonettes, but like they don't need to be the same level as the keeper because they're, they're already drawn in by the keeper, by the endless spells, by the heroes. And then the demonettes that just need to be painted to like a, a quality standard like you've done. But it's those, like Russ said, you don't need those levels added to it because it's yeah. not that, you know, it's the faces, bases, you know, shields, uh, big monsters. They're the bits that draw people's eye. Yeah. Like if, you, if you look at my Nurgle army, I have done it on every single Plague Bearer. Every single claw is painted in four stages of dark brown through to white. And you'll notice that if you pick up each plague bear and have a look, their all their claws are painted in four layers. But if I'd have just painted them bone and washed them brown, would anyone no, really I'd notice? Say it looks worse. No, you no, I think it looks worse. I mean, I was just going to say the, the the one thing that you look to have kept like uh, when I do stuff like that, and it looks like you've done it here. The basing hasn't changed anywhere because that's it, it faces upwards. It's such a large proportion of the model that is consistent throughout everything and then you've made your decisions in terms of efficiency on core troops big things small things the smaller things are more forgiving because it's you have to get in this far to see what's going on and then your big stuff 
Like you would know if something's smooth or not. You've really gone to town on it. Yeah, and to finish off all their eyes as well, I painted them all black and then just put a single white dot in the middle of all the eyes. I think it looks, it looks quite dark and quite sinister on, on the old uh, demons. Shark then, eyes, isn't it? Like Sort of like yeah. great white shark eyes, which are quite cool. And then again, it's the same, the demonettes and the keepers and everything, they've all got the black the black eye. With I think actually on the fiends, I gave them green eyes. Um, just I, I think the eyes were just a bit bigger. Like... Uh, maybe it was just to you know add a bit of color on the heads, but you've not got you've not got as much in terms of other stuff to add color to on those, have you? Because they're just they're, they're just, just flesh organic. and claws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not and really stocking, a... I suppose. Yeah, they don't, the um, the endless spells you 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 painted as well, didn't you? So you put the the black eyes on the um because I haven't yeah. got a picture of the fiends to show, so I'm just on the endless spells at the moment. So um because obviously they're they're sort of the the face with like the the mouth tentacles has that's got like massive big black eyes isn't it yeah so i painted them black and then glossed them yeah yeah i I, I didn't even bother putting a white dot in them because the gloss will put the dot in for you so yeah, you can see in the photo that yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it'll it'll, it'll because it's such a, a big rounded surface that you know it'll it'll highlight itself with the gloss there's a like two layers of gloss on it so they're super glossy um, and then obviously they've they've got like the same flame around it, like the head has got the mm-hmm. pink the purple. Uh, and then I did the same. Uh, I think I inverted the flame colors actually on the um, on the back of the hand with the mirror. Yeah, you did. Yeah, look at this. Yeah, so the mirror actually it's hard to show it in the picture, but the um, like the ripples in the mirror when you've got it in your hand look really good. They, um, you hit them. Of, you hit them from like a super extreme angle. I, with a brush. I sprayed them horizontally, and they yeah. captured the the sort of um, the peaks with white really nicely. And then I just popped a satin varnish over them just to, to so, you know even it all out. But they're um, they were great to paint. Actually, I thought the ender spells were going to be a bit of a pain to paint because the oh, look awesome, the, dude. the gaps on the hand on the um, the mirror. What's what's the actual mirror thing called? I can't remember what it's called. I think called. it's called the mirror, isn't it? Mesmerizing it's, mirror? Is that it? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. gaps on the hand that holds that mirror were, um, yeah. yeah, a bit questionable. They're yeah, doing really like lengths, aren't they, and stuff? It's... I think the endless spells almost feel like they are a bit like that. The kits, they're a little bit more uh, chunky, aren't they? Yeah, it's terrain, the it's terrain standard rather than model standard, I think. Yeah, they, um, they, were, they were still fun enough to paint, though. And I mean, the wheel, the. Um, the blades are effectively just the blades off of a chariot stuck chariot. on a base. Yeah. There's not really a lot yeah. going on for them. Um, Painted paint them exactly the same way as the rest of the metal. Um, what sign uh, varnish do you use, Terry? Um, just out of interest, because you've mentioned it a couple of times, and for anyone that's trying to sort of like do the same sort of thing. Uh, if I got it on my desk here, uh, just it's literally just Vallejo. Is it the Vallejo one? Vallejo satin varnish. Yeah, it's um. It's one of the bigger bottles. It's in a. It's not the yeah, little dropper bottle. Size. Yeah, sixty. Yes, yeah. yeah. that's, the, yeah, one that's the one that I use. We've all got it. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets the same thing out. Yeah, I think yeah. I've got one. There you go. There. That is the exact one. Oh and yeah, so it's, it's available it's for this one, games, but this is you? the gloss. So that's the gloss one. Yeah. Um, but I've got the satin ones up yeah, there the as well. Gloss brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. 
I guess I said like what we can try and do is um, if uh, get see if Byron can get all if you send Byron a list of the paint scheme that you've used, see whether Byron can put together oh, like yeah. a bundle that we can put, and I'll put it in the notes. We could do like a a blue, a pink, um, yeah. a flesh, and then a and all like, together the yeah. satin and stuff like that, so the, then people can to be get fair, it. The army isn't actually many colours. It's no. no, you've done a really good job of restricting. Yeah, it, w- again with armor, you, you want like. Efficiency, you know, very, very few colors. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there isn't a lot in there. I mean, the green is like half the colors. The gems are like three or four colors. Um, that's <laughs> like half the color palette. So there's some grays and there's yeah, there's not actually yeah. a lot in there color wise. Uh, I was just going to say quickly. I, the other thing I put satin varnish on was the keepers' stockings. Um, yeah. I kind of just wanted them to have that sort of like silky satin stocking look to them because they. Um, they're, they're, I don't know whether they're made of flesh or they're meant to be stockings, or it's not very clear, like whether they're yeah. its own flesh pulled over itself. It's that's the sculptors that's really good. So you could paint it as like latex or whatever, could you, if you wanted to do it that way? Yeah, but then you, you could, could also you do could it as like them black skin, and then go off, you know, so they look like yeah. black leather stockings or you know whatever. Like you could paint them and put like patterns on them and. There's there's all sorts you could do with them, but I, I just sort of made them as if they were transparent. I quite like the idea that there's somebody's skin. That's kind of disturbing. Yeah, yeah skin I would mean, be cool. Like, imagine doing like dark sun ash with like skin coloured stockings. How cool would that be? Like, <laughs> yeah. Black grey cool. flesh coloured. Like like Fabius Ball's cloak, but have all of the stockings yeah. <laughs> like human flesh spin. I mean flayed. you could freehand like stitch patterns on them as well to make it look like they were different coloured fleshes as well. From... That would be cool. Yeah. yeah, that would uh, be a bit, bit graphic. It's a but... very, very good uh, video. Um, uh, the guy called JH, I think it's Hildago, has painted uh, Emperor's Children's Flesh onto um, a Chaos Marine that I'll find the link to and put it in there if you wanted to do that. He's basically done it with contrast paints and line highlighted all of the armor panels so it looks like flesh. Um, so that's really, I mean, it's really easy to do anyway, if you wanted to, it's just a case of like paint it flesh and then have a steady hand and do like a dark brown line and highlight it. And then it looks like that anyway, but it's, um, I'll, I'll put a link in the video. Just, just something I'd, I'd like to talk about is the epitome because we haven't really spoke about it much. Um, no. I put a picture of it up. So when I did mine, I, I had to do it in sub assemblies because it, it's, it's such a complicated model. I think for a lot of hobbyists, it might be quite a daunting project. Did you did you build it all with the two demonettes separately, or did you go yeah, so to the base? Or it's three pieces. I did so. I did the entire mirror. Yeah, like, so it's the, all the metallic bit and the tails into yeah, the base. So, yeah, so all of that onto a base. Yeah, and then the These two, two are separate. separate. That's exactly they, what I did, yeah. They sit on nicely afterwards. Their connection points are quite obvious on the model. So you can... Um, what I do when I do these sort of sub-assemblies is I put a bit of blue tack over the connection point. Uh, so then when I'm spraying it all, they stay clean plastic. And then obviously yeah. right at the end, you just peel the two bits of blue tack away and then you get that nice bit of plastic on plastic to melt together. Plus it makes yeah. it obvious to know where they go, right? Yeah, so. and it's, sort of, it's your guide as well. But I have recorded all of um, the stages for the Slash Army, so I've got a video for everything, basically, um, which I'm going to um, obviously process at some point, but it's it's, just, it's like 78 gigabytes of video recorded 
Um, so there is a there is going to be a step by step on how to paint all of these. So if they do do the bundle of the paints, there'll be a video to go along with it as well. Perfect. Cool. And we are back from the break, and uh, we're just going to now talk about the uh, Lumineff list that Les has written. Um, so do you want to take us through it? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so I was approached uh, on Twitter by, is it Liam Alfred was the name of the guy? Uh, I can't remember his Twitter say, yeah. handle, but um, he was um, just asking about what my thoughts were behind uh, a Lumineff list that wasn't uh, techless-focused. Now, uh, I'm not going to take complete, I'm not going to claim this list as my own, like 100%. Um, it is a list that I've sort of like doctored after discussing with Joe Prasal. Uh, me and Joe like talk lists from time to time. Uh, I'm not sure if this is his original list or a friend of his, but um, it is one that, you know, that me and him discussed, which is quite good. Um, so I'll just run through it, like top to bottom, uh, which is, it's uh, the great nation of Eumetrica. Um, I've included the Stoneheart King. Um, which is the special character, Alvamore, the, the big mountain guy with the double hammers. Um, a stone mage, uh, 20 wardens, uh, 15 stone guard, 15 stone guard, 20 sentinels, which are the, the shooting guys, obviously. Uh, that's all your battle line. And then you've got 10 sentinels, um, five dawn riders, and then it all bases around the Alrith temple, which makes it a four drop army because the king, the the king the stone mage and both units of the stone guard go into that that temple which allows them to reroll ones for the armor um, and stuff i believe now that's the the other one the Aurelian region i can't remember what the, the actual the the alref temple does now but it's look it up in the book is that know. is that a temple is that a formation you're talking about it's a formation formations called the, right, the okay. battalion's called the alref temple right okay yeah. It's a War Scroll Battalion, yeah. It's the, um, whereas the, in Lumineff, it's Great Nations, which is why at the top yeah. is Geometrica. Um, so yeah, like, the Stone Mage has to take the standard Geometrica stuff, which is, you know, you get to pick another unit and pile in again with a command ability, and does D3 mortals on 2+, plus if it doesn't attack in close combat, but if you're going to attack in close combat, you, you know, you're in trouble. Um, so yeah, like, the, the whole idea around it is, is that it's obviously it's quite low drop, um, Eumetrica makes the Alrith guard, um, you know, because they're part of the, the they've got the Alrith keyword, means that they're like ignore rend, uh, reduce rend by two. So you've got two units that are quite fighty, uh, ignoring rend um, by two. The the Stoneheart King's command ability is pick D3 Alf units and increase their um, attacks by one. You can't pick the same unit more than once. So in this situation, you'd be making the the stone mallet guys, um, you know, increase their attacks from two to three. Uh, is that in the combat phase? Then, that ability, Les? Uh, I believe it is a combat phase. I can't remember yeah, what the, when the, the actual the, the wording is. But you've got that plus the uh, the Aether Quartz ability that allows them to like you know reroll ones and stuff like that. So it makes them really reliable. Um, you know, any sixes do damage two as well with the the stone guard on the mallets. I didn't go picks. Um, also, because you're picking D3 Alvin units, that time that you roll the three, you then put it on the wardens as well, which means that your shining company of 20 guys are going to be sat there on an objective, you know, with an additional attack. Um, if the enemy charge and they're like minus one, they're, um, you know, minus one to hit, they're rend. Um, they've, um, a couple of the, a couple of the, the spells that I've put on there, 
um, has been quite, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of like made sure that I've covered all bases with the spells that each unit has. So the um, the Stone Mage has Voice of the Mountain, uh, which is uh, relatively, I mean, there's no way of guaranteeing that you're going to get these spells off because you've not got techless and you've not got any buffs. So it is quite difficult still. But Voice of the Mountain, basically, uh, in that turn, you reduce your enemies. Um, I'm sorry, give them plus two to battle shock or reduce their bravery by two. Um, and then it, like for the battle range, it then drops to one. Um, the I've got total eclipse on the wardens, which in the, which looking at it, I probably wouldn't put it on the wardens. Um, I'd give them ethereal blessing. So a lot of the stuff in the army is very resilient, being the uh, you know like you ignore and rend two with the A for quartz, you can buff your you know your ability to stay alive. Um, if you give the wardens ethereal blessing and that spell goes off, it means that they essentially are ethereal. So they're minus one to hit if they don't you know if they don't if they're still shining company makes them really survivable. Um, the the sentinels then I'd swap it out and I'd give them total eclipse. Um, quite a high cast value. Um, you know, and maybe they probably wouldn't be casting it on themselves because they'd be looking for the uh, doing mortal wounds on a five for their sun metal weapons. Um, but total eclipse is something that I think you need in a, a luminephist. What does total is, eclipse do? Essentially, uh, total eclipse is make every command point your opponent spend. So if it costs one command point, right. it costs two. Cast on an eight, I believe. Would you put it on the um, on the sentinels though? Because surely they're going to be no, casting no, it's, buff every turn, aren't they? I've I've basically just put it on the list. I'm just juggling it as I'm, I'm reading off of my list in front of me. But I I would have it on a different unit. Um, you've got the the other unit of sentinels. Um, I've given them lambent light because they're a unit of ten, not a unit of twenty. Yeah. Um, so they'd be the unit that would be casting lambent light for the twenty then to try and like kill the key hero with the mortal wings on the fives um i've also got speed of hish on the dawn riders um again speed of hish can be cast on somebody else and my theory would be you keep those there the dawn riders behind the uh you know behind your screens maybe using speed of hish to get your unit of 20 sentinels in range like peter mentioned in his um of a unit but also the, the those key turns when you need to get around and score objectives, the Dawn Riders cast it on themselves and give themselves like a 26-inch move plus run and charge. You know, they don't run and charge, so they're like plus run or charge. Um, you know, so it, it's quite... So it, speed it, it of kind of double like, their move? Double their move, yeah. So, and they move 14, so 28-inch move. So they're very fast, um, which is quite handy. And then you've got the, the Stoneheart King, and, you know, you keep him next to the the... The stone mage you keep him next to the king obviously uh one of the abilities on the stone mage is sorry the, the king is that if he's next to a stone mage he fights at the top banding so if he's taking damage he doesn't then degrade his attacks um and he's like very very handy i think it's like six attacks ren two damage five you know does he have an aoe ability or is that the other big dude i see the one who's got uh, minus I one don't... to hit uh, he's, they've all got minus one to. I think when they've all got minus one to hit because of what they are, um, and he's also got like a really powerful shooting attack, um, which is handy. But he's very, range. very combat. Yeah. So the idea being is that you would either you double tap with the stone guard. So because obviously the speed of light in uh, Lumineph is that you activate two for your enemies one. So if you're not facing an always strike first army, uh, you you put uh, your two stone guard units into a, a unit and they go but they go twice after you've buffed them with the D three um, with the, the attacks from the king, or you double tap with a stone guard unit and the king 
and then like decimate that unit because they both go and you always make sure that you stack the odds in your favor if that makes sense so you'd always have you'd always go two on one or four on two so that you get the opportunity to to go twice if that makes sense um with eight techers in the list you've actually got quite a lot of bodies so i think it's not bad in uh, you know scenario play <clears throat> i would have liked to include another unit of dawn riders uh, that would be uh, the thing that i would maybe have included but you i think the 20 sentinels is so key to killing your opponent's support heroes yeah. that it's better to have those 20 sentinels and only have one unit of dawn riders as opposed to having two um, dawn riders may be a bit more flexible in in um, scenario play but i think you know 20 shots more wins on fives don't need line of sight 30 inch range plus a move 36 inch range is you're going to kill the support heroes that you need to so if you've got just yeah. just to remind me because i've maybe lost track a little bit so you've got the wardens like your battle so, run, aren't they? and you've got and you've so, got these stone mason guys are they what how many of those yeah, have you got so, so you've got 20 wardens who are battle line uh yeah. two units of 15 stone guard who are also battle line in geometrica right then i've got 20 uh, 20 sentinels in who were back count as battle line because the wardens class them so you've got four battle yeah. line. then you've got another unit of 10 sentinels and then a unit of five dawn riders now the king the stone mage the stone guard all fit in the alarf temple battalion that i've included hmm. You could potentially have a two it. a two drop, couldn't you? If you took the other formation, which is a Kaflar, and the two units of Sentinels, two units of Wardens, with a bit of jiggling around with yeah. the points, as one yeah. of your formations, and then the other formation, or is it's, there Wardens the, in that formation? Yeah, I think the difficulty is the where you cut that. You know, the, the hundred twenty points. Um, I think twenty Sentinels killing support characters is probably better than you know than, than just having two units of 10 um i mean you could maybe drop it down to do 20 and uh, just have a, a unit of 20 and, and get rid of the 10 um and then that saves you no the points you'd have there, to have but... two units wouldn't you for the formation you need one of one two yeah. ones two sentinels so yeah so okay you'd have to split it out i guess it, it, it two tens may be flexible i just like the idea of making sure that something's dead with the you know the 25 ups um, and also casting the Lambent Light, um, you know, allowing you to fish for those fives. You're just going to kill the support characters, aren't you? I'd probably end up dropping the That's Dawn Riders if it was me. Yeah, I, I keep looking at the Dawn Riders because initially it was two units of 20 Sentinels. And the, mm. uh, well, but the, uh, and the Dawn Riders... Different type of list, uh, isn't it? You're pretty well-rounded at this point. That's one of the nice yeah. things about it. Like we were talking about secondaries. Yeah. And, um, in fact, I'm drunk. This list you can't has fit a lot of options for all of them. Yeah, you can't fit it when you drop the Dawn Riders because the the Sentinels are 140 and the Dawn Riders are 130. I thought I was at 1990, but I'm not at 2000. Um, but yeah, it's I think it's quite well rounded. Uh, I actually quite like the idea of it. I think it'd be fun to play. Um, I think so. yeah, it does a little bit of everything. And um, it's quite combat heavy, quite shooty. Um, I think you maybe struggle in some hero missions, but the King is quite hard to kill. Um, it's and he so also is he, he's really a damage. hero is he the big the big king yeah yeah the big king the hero yeah why he's not the general um <laughs> so it's uh yeah so you've got the stone which is the general the, the guy that's cross-legged on the floaty stones um so yeah it's uh, i think it'd be quite fun i think again it would take reward someone playing a lot of games with it because of the knowing when to burn your a for the quartz knowing when to double tap and use the speed of light but, uh, 
yeah, it looks fun. Maybe something I'd like to try in the future, I think. I'm sure there's yeah, some people experimenting with this type of thing at the moment. Like, if people are trying yeah. it out and have got thoughts and alterations or whatever, they can let us know. And I'm sure Les would love to put together some more horses if there's a full Dawn Rider version. Yeah, I love those horses so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely would want to build at least 40 of those uh, yeah. before I die, which is probably how long it would take me to get them finished. Um, <laughs> so... I, I don't, I don't mean, know, if... Brian. I don't want any more. <laughs> I, I I built five, and they took me basically a day to build five horses. I just honestly, as on the I think I, I, maybe I, because I did like picked up two pieces, cleaned them up, and then had to take an hour break to think about my life, and then come back and do the next two bits. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I'm not. I honestly, Luminef, I I just I no, not for me. Not for me at all. But... They, yeah, they never were though, were they? You didn't even when we play tested them. You were like, no, they don't quite tickle your balls. So it's... no, no. Yeah. Um, you got bubble man, dude. You don't need anything else. Yeah. Oh, boat, boats and guns. I was gonna say boats and something else, but that's not yeah. that's not PC. Yeah. So um... <laughs> worldwide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So that's quite interesting. So hopefully, when those models are out, you'll be able to get that together and play some games with it so i would love to but i honestly because i'm painting a luminef army for brian um when all these models are i'm going to be painting all those for brian so i can't see me getting my luminef on the table anytime quickly because it's going to be a case of borrow it yeah 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 we'll see um so i'm going to do brian's stuff and then chip away at mine but like me and you've discussed about after seeing like the the really good job you've done with your necron bases i'm going to probably rebase my stormcast i like the points drops rebase my stormcast and then start look, looking into um stormcast list because i think they're quite quite competitive um with the the general's handbook points drops especially if you factor in some bits like shadow warriors like we did on the last show maybe not a five and five but i definitely think it'd be a fun four and one or three and two yeah so. yeah, for yeah. Sure. It'd be a good army but um cool well i think if that's everything um we can wrap the show up there if you're yeah. cool yeah Happy with um, that, yeah, I so. think that's happy. Like, so yeah, hopefully Liam likes it. Um, you know, if he doesn't, then that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can let us know, and Les can go back to the drawing board and write a better list. So, uh, uh... <laughs> I'll, I'll slide into Darren Watson's DMs game. <laughs> Get someone else to write, and then just call it the Les Martin <laughs> list. Is that a change? Yeah, no, he's right. <laughs> Yeah, okay, change, change the halberd to a great weapon. There you go. This is awesome. Yeah. If you know, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. So thanks for Perfect. listening, and um, we'll be back with another show shortly. So thanks very much, and uh, take it easy, guys. Cool. See you soon. See you Bye. See to make sure you don't miss out on any more hammer to your face, subscribe to us on iTunes. Add our RSS feed to your reader and follow us on Twitter at facehammer underscore. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>